Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. It is Friday. Everybody loves Friday. And for one particular reason, Friday stands out for me. Free Food Friday with Oak Farm Pizza giving us another dozen pizza vouchers. The large one, the large ones with sides to give away. So rather than giving away one prize, instead we give away three with four large pizza vouchers and sides per winner. So you know the drill. Text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106. You might be working from home. You might be back at work. You might be doing a bit at both. You might be on the road. Who knows? But let us know what you're doing and where you are. Text 086-8104-106. We'll do some shout-outs across the morning and then you can retrieve. We'll post the vouchers to you and you can retrieve your Oak Fire Pizza uh, from Oak Fire Pizza stores. Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, Gillaby Street and opening soon in the East Village in Douglas. So good luck with that. Text 086-8104-106. Paperwise this morning, July jab joy. Leo says that uh, he's targeting that everybody will get a jab by July. It's a story that's picked up by the examiner where they say that Varadkar is saying not only a jab for everybody in July, the July joy, but also that um, indoor dining would be possible in July as well. Stephen Donnelly then meanwhile says, I don't think so with regards to a jab for everybody by July. More likely to be September. <laughs> So one hand on the other hand, you know the way it is. Uh, we're ahead, but we're not there yet. We have passed the two million doses with regards to uh, to vaccines. And yesterday's program got quite heated with regards to COVID and vaccinations and what have you. But no matter what way you look at this, we've passed two million vaccine doses administered when you add the two together. I mentioned that yesterday. There'll be a bubble between us and, and Britain, um, a, a travel bubble our own little exclusive one with regards to, and that could be in a matter of weeks, according to the Irish Times, with regards to the rest of Europe and the world, um, that will have to wait at least another six or seven weeks, I would imagine. Uh, but we still have little outbreaks, and the Echo is talking about an outbreak in a North Cork school, which is reported this morning, Skull Vreed in Rathcormac. Um, and then, of course, with other issues that are related or as a result of COVID. The Echo says there's been a 30% rise in calls to mental health lines. Uh, We've known of that because media has been reporting increases of people looking for help for all sorts of aspects in their health, but not just physical, but we also know of people waiting with regards to cancer appointments, but also mental health. And the staff in the bonds, in fairness, they are sending ventilators to India. And it's a lovely story of staff, many of them um, of Indian descent themselves. Uh, photographed in the Echo today, Bon Secours Hospital are sending 12, they're called BiPAP ventilators to India, battling a severe wave of COVID-19 infections. Uh, there was a party in RTE uh, and um, many, many people got into a lot of hot water over that and a lot of criticism, of course, the, uh, the likes of Brian Dobson, David McCullough, Miriam O'Callaghan, Blonidney Coffig uh, and Eileen Dunn. You know that the guards got involved in that and they, they interviewed them and then they put a file together and they sent the file off to the DPP. It's been decided now uh, that they are not going to be prosecuted. They won't face face charges. It all had to do with a, a woman in RT who was retiring and they had a bit of an impromptu prompt you do and people freaked out about it particularly because they were standing on signs that said stay two meters apart. Ian Bailey's got 12 months off the road for a drug ban um, with regards to a possession and testing positive for, for cannabis so I think he got fined as well 700 euro and he's been conv- convicted so it's a tough break from us because he's down west and uh, 
with no motor, of course, uh, it'll be hard for him to get around. But you can't be drink driving and you can't be drug driving. Um, what about on your bike? Um, I have three bikes uh, down in Port McGee, actually. I wish to God somebody would steal them because they're rotten and they're falling apart. I don't think I've even given away, but ain't nobody going to steal those. But 7,000 bikes have been stolen since January. What is it with bikes and people's dogs that have been stolen? 7,000 since January. Um, invest in a good quality lock, they're saying. And whatever you do, note down the serial number of your bike because you never know when it might turn up again. I guess there's a market for them, a second-hand market online. And then there was this character who spat at a Tesco security guard, makes the court sections of the Echo today, a 47-year-old man in a COVID-related queue to get into a supermarket, um, spat at the security guard when he was told that... Uh, he had been previously barred from the premises, uh, and that was before the courts yesterday. He got five months jail for it. Story we had on air some weeks back down west. I was talking with uh, some of the business owners and indeed some of the uh, residents of particular West Cork townlands uh, where they have no broadband. And they had told me on the, at the time, Emma Fitzpatrick, who is a company called Nourishing Ther- Therapies, uh, and the landscape artist Leslie Cox, they had to go up to the side of a mountain to a medieval stone uh, to get reception on their mobile phone, then hook the mobile phone up to their laptop to work. But they told me during the conversation that they went on to Elon Musk's company, um, SpaceX, uh, the Starlink, which is all of those satellites that are flying around in space. And apparently um, Elon Musk's company is going to offer them a trial and they're going to hook up that part of the country down west to the Starlink satellite system. Um, and the tr- the, actually, the equipment is on the way for them to try it out and get them some decent broadband. So more on that across the morning. It's a great story. Um, then, apparently, um, I didn't know this, but uh, uh, Simon Coveney's jet left. Well, it's the government jet. It's the Learjet, the 8 million euro Learjet. Uh, it was, uh, he was over in Turkey as Minister for Foreign Affairs. They took off. They were an hour into the flight and the Learjet developed some kind of a fault and it had to double back and land back down again. So that was um, a drama in the sky and that's the story that makes the the red tops today. Meanwhile, um, from uh, near misses in the sky to uh, issues on the ground with regards to firefighters, um, this story is is actually another one from the courts and it's in the examiner this morning uh, where a firefighter who, who apparently is paid if you go out to a fire... But it was the firefighter that started the fire in the bog. And he lit the fire and then went home, knowing that he'd get a call, as other firefighters did. I guess they were on call. Uh, don't know how that works out. But uh, So he was called out and then was paid to put the fire out. So that's a court report from the, this morning's examiner. And you know, I was telling you about the three teens uh, who shoved a girl. She fell on the ground and rolled down onto the tracks. Uh, at the Hoth train station. They were before the courts yesterday. Um, the co- court case will be ongoing now, I'd imagine. What's interesting about it is their ages, though, because two of them were 16 and one of them was 13. Um, apparently, the guards swooped quickly on their homes and carried out multiple searches. Imagine probably all at the same time. They got mobile phones, they took clothes, they took their bikes. Um, so that's an interesting one to see how that will unfold, unfold particularly considering their ages. And a new 20 euro fixed mortgage rate said to be a game changer in the market. If you can get a fixed mortgage rate for around 2.4%, I take it all day long. And this is a company called Finance Ireland. It's the front page of the mail today. So they're talking about it between 2.4 and 2.9 and they give you 90% of the mortgage. We're a far cry from the 110%, but 
God knows at some stage we'll be back to that as well. And I like this story in the ever-changing world we live in. It's from the English Times this morning. And there's a row broke out and there had to be an apology made. Here's the first couple of paragraphs of the story. A row broke out after a non-binary passenger complained that a train operator began a message. Um, Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This was the message on the train. So apparently a, a non-binary passenger complained to London Northeast Railway and they apologised after the customer argued that such announcements were irrelevant to people like him who are general... Actually, I've probably done it myself by saying the word him. Um, but announcements like that were irrelevant to gender-fluid people. Lines open, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. text 0868 The Neil Prenderville Show. Ah, yes, indeed. It's Friday. The sun is shining. All is well with the world. And the uh, broadcaster, Paul Byrne, marks 40 years of broadcasting. This year is his 40-year milestone. Did he ever think that he'd get this far? Well, why not? Talent carries you a long, long way. And he joins me by phone this morning. Paul Byrne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. So, 40 years. Does it feel like 40 years? 140. I have my pension and free bus travel and everything at this stage. <laughs> I mean, you you started, like, like many back in the day, very, very young and pirates. But preceding that, like school didn't interest you. Um, you didn't sit a leaving cert. You didn't sit an intercert. Um, why not? Um, being honest, Neil, I just uh, wasn't suited to school or school wasn't suited to me. We just didn't see eye to eye. Uh, couldn't handle school. Didn't, uh, couldn't learn. Just didn't want to learn, I suppose, what was being taught. Um, I just had no interest in it, Neil. I just found it all too heavy. Um, I grew up, I suppose, in a family business uh, from a very young age. And I was always interested in business and in entertainment. And that's all I wanted to do from a young age was work and be involved in entertainment. And eventually like my parents after I mean this after years of persuasion did allow me to leave it took a lot of um, persuading um, they were very hesitant to, to leave me uh, leave school but uh, eventually they caved in and um, thankfully it, it, um, it helped I suppose because I, I genuinely don't think I'd be where I am today had I stayed in school it just wasn't for me I couldn't learn I wouldn't say I was stupid I'd say I was thick stupid more or less right <laughs> And I remember being in school at the time, I had a Timex digital watch and I would look at the watch and I'd say, another 60 seconds gone, another 60 seconds, another 60 seconds. I'd count down the minutes to get out of the school. And did the teachers know that you weren't, you weren't interested or weren't really even present? Yeah, because, I mean, none of them knew my name. They all called me stupid, you know. So, um, <laughs> you know, no, they, they knew I wasn't interested. And, I mean, I'd often get this crap, you know, uh, look, wh- what are you doing here? And I'd often say, well, tell that to my parents, will you please? <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that way. But, um, so how old, so were, how old were you when you left school then? You must have been in your young teens. I was just about 15. Fifteen before the junior cert or into cert, whatever it was called, the, the trick. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And what did you, what did you do? I went working with my father, my dad. My late father was uh, in auctioneering. Uh, John Byrne, he had a uh, furniture premises on Byrne Court and Pollard of Road in Cork, uh, are in Greenmount and Pollard of Road. And um, I was working there at, from 15. I, as I said, I grew up in the family business. Um, so I went working there. At the start, Neil, to be honest with you, I was a little bit embarrassed to say I'd been allowed to leave school in case people would say your parents were very irresponsible. I was just too concerned about that after a while. I didn't give a hoot, you know what I mean? I was uh, a 
vote in the in the big bad world. Yeah, uh, like people did drop out, um, but they dropped out after the leaving after the intercert. Usually, that wasn't uncommon then. But to drop out before probably was a little more uncommon. So, did you did you start gigging then? Did you start doing parties, discos, things like that? Um, I went into um, I, my first gig was in CCLR. It was in Two A French Church Street. You yeah, know it well, Neil. That's where we first met. And yeah. all those years ago, up the steps, uh, converted attic. Yeah. Um, that was my first gig on radio. Fifteen minutes. I remember the words. Good morning, everybody. Did you send in a demo um, tape? Was it? I did. I, I made a demo tape with the help of a friend of mine and um, put it in. I met a man called uh, Shay Kern, the owner of the station, uh, handed in the demo tape. He listened to it and he said, all right, you can start next week. And I went to myself, I think I had an accident when he said that. You know what I mean? I went, oh, Jesus, what am I after doing here? So I remember arriving to the Saturday, the following Saturday and I slotted in from 11 to 11.15. But six months later, I got a massive break in broadcasting. The, the, the programme was extended to 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the way. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so therefore, you had your first foot on the broadcast ladder at that stage with pirates. Exactly. My name was in lights. I was in every cinema exit. <laughs> now you could see it. Were you nervous? Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, honestly, if there was a cure for diarrhea or a constipation, that was it going on there that morning. It was horrific. I remember it in fairness. My dad dropping me to the radio station. My dad had written the script for me because again he was involved in entertainment and you know and, and he said look I let you select the music and I made the biggest mistake of my life the first song I played and I've actually ditched every copy of it ever that I ever come across was Michael Jackson One Day in Your Life as you know you don't start a radio programme with a slow song and when I came out of the station he just looked at me and I said what do you think he said are you serious are you for real he said, Jesus, you know, I mean, I, I did everything. For you. And they said, you had me done with playing Michael Jackson one day in your life. You sent people into a coma. We used to call those train wrecks. <laughs> you know, ah, oh, Jesus. So, so from there then to the likes of South Coast, imagine you spent time in ERI, I believe, as well, didn't you? Yeah, some time up there, South Coast and St. Lou, South Coast and St. Uh, that station, you- South Coast, the reincarnations, <laughs> so many of them. Were you paid um, for the, for much of that pirate work? Uh, very little at very the time, little. but you were made your money then out of gigs. I mean, I was doing discos in community centres, and uh, by the time I was sixteen or seventeen at the time, I, I was driving a, a white IAS van with Frisco Disco and uh, Sun Visor, and um, you know, good community centres, uh, Cork Bowl Club I was doing twenty firsts and what have you like that, and gradually progressed. And after a while, I was gigging seven nights a week. I was in Delacey House uh, Thursday through Sunday. The other nights I was out, you know, doing 21st weddings, anniversary separations, anything, you know, that, that's, that's the, I was on the road as a smart really, you know, full but, time. But when then did you delve into television? That would have been for those that can remember the very early days of multi-channel where they did local programming, yeah? That was right. Um, I was actually in hospital at the time. It was after an accident and I had gotten a call to say that I had, uh, uh, I had applied for a job and I had to discharge myself from hospital, otherwise I was going to uh, miss out on the audition. And I went into the studio in George's Key and I sat down and so I was interviewed and I had to present this programme. Eventually I landed a gig and what it was, it was a programme called Cork Cable Shopping. And for those people out there today will remember, it was a jingle, Cork Cable Shopping. And I said, hi, I'm Paul, my co-host. Hi, I'm Jennifer. And tonight we're selling an exercise bike or a watch or a, a video cassette. 
I tell you, looking back on it, like people used to laugh at it and everything, and you know, it, it, some of it was cringeworthy, but it was ahead of its time at the, when you think back on it, because cable shopping is huge across the, the world at the moment, but it was really ahead of its time. And um, from the cable shopping, then it became a music show. I went into presenting music shows, and then the kind of you know, little lifestyle magazine stuff. And uh, we worked together, of course, on first edition. On, Which on I thought was a great TV I... program, actually. It was very local and it was very strong, first edition, I thought. The guests were great, the research was great, the production level were great. It was good TV. It was super television. It was what we all, what I love. It was country television at its greatest. We were out there with John and Mary and Tom and Susie out in the street doing what people are talking about in the pub, and that's the best form of television, I think. You know, at, at that time as well, you you started working for of, of clearly then, of course commercial radio came about and licenses were granted and what have you and mm-hmm. then there was there was uh, 96 came about and what have you and, and we worked there together but at, at some stage then you decided that really the path was television yeah yeah I always wanted to do on, on television what I really love is game shows um, light entertainment and I, I have I have a fascination with you know like C&C Cancel and Corcoran C&C I call it crime and uh, comedy I love both. It's weird. But that's, that's what it is. I could be watching comedy from 9 to 10 and then some uh, true crime from 11 to 12 or whatever like that. So, yeah, I branched into uh, t- um, television and um, what I wanted to do was game shows. But I ended up becoming a Southern correspondent with uh, TV3 back then and no Virgin Media News. That's do 23 you, years on. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you prefer radio or television? Genuinely, um, television, unless it's what you're doing. And, and, I mean, I, I did have the pleasure of filling in for you on a number of occasions, and I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, I don't know how you do what you do. It's three hours, but I did enjoy it. But uh, I do enjoy television. It's, um, it's, it's, it's an incredible medium. Um, you know, you're, you're out there, you're meeting people, and people are fascinated. You might be talking to somebody at 11 o'clock in the morning and they'll ask you, uh, when will that be on? Is that tomorrow or the next? I said, oh, no, that will be on the news at half to 12 today. Mm. And it's just a turnaround. Um, it, it, it's a pressurised job, as you know, only too well. But um, it, there's a great, um, what's the word, satisfaction out of it as well when you get a, a story on air in time and then you could be, of course, up against the clock. It's not unusual to still, the news is on at half 12 and you're still editing at 25 to 1. You but know, don't you have um, to get it into 60 to 90 seconds, though, all of that work? I mean, can, yeah, can the you, story get enough breath? Yeah, you can. You see, like, you obviously, we, we leave out a lot of the, the jargon, right? And you're in court and you've, you just deliver it as you tell. You're telling the story like you're telling your friends in the pub or over a cup of coffee, whatever the case may be. And you just obviously have to pick out the main points. And you could be sitting in court for three or four hours and you've got to summarise that into one and a half minutes or two minutes of max. Yeah, and and that would be every day um, or you could have something planned at night and something could break overnight and then the plans are thrown or you could be up in the middle of the night. Yeah, I mean, you, you you could be going to bed knowing that uh, in your diary in the morning is that you're going down to a story. There might be some jobs announcements. There might be um, a, a new hospital wing being unveiled. And uh, in the middle of the night, you might get a call. And you know when your phone goes at two or three or four o'clock in the morning that unfortunately it's bad news that there has been uh, an accident. And nine times out of ten, unfortunately, somebody may have lost their life in it. And, uh, you know, you just don't know. There no two days of the same year in this business. And are, are there particular stories in all of those years that stand out from others? 
Um, I suppose the big story that you and I worked on years ago was the House of Horrors, where three men were murdered in a house here in Cork. And um, one person witnessed another person. I, I, I must warn, warn viewers, it's a pretty strong, it could be gruesome. Mm. But uh, another chap witnessed um, one of the bodies being chopped up. Yeah. And um, guards were given the information where the body had been buried. They missed that, in, that they missed the site. I got a tip off from somebody connected to the investigation, um, not a guard, but uh, you know somebody involved in 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 the underworld, and um, that the body was out in, at the back of Vienna Woods Hotel, and I was led through the woods at uh, about four o'clock one afternoon. Do you think you were being set up? I thought at the time, didn't you? You thought that... I did, I did, Neil, because I hadn't, I stupidly hadn't told anybody that I was going out here to look for a body. And this person was with me and I said, Christ, what am I after doing? I've told nobody where I am. I'm out here with somebody who has just given me this information. I could go around the corner and two other people could jump out from behind the tree. And Well, you certainly, you were working on my programme. You certainly hadn't told me until afterwards. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I mean, it's, I've been a major boo-boo by not telling anybody whatsoever. And... Um, I was I was told if you walk out into the centre of the field, go left, go right, and a hundred yards. And I went out, and there was this area had been dug up, and there was a kind of a, a homemade crucifix made out of two pieces of wood and a bit of cloth, and there was uh, a sock. It had been a white sock, but it was covered in muck and clay. And I picked up the clay and I I, I went to smell it, and I reached. I actually vomited, um, but. A body had been buried there and they had moved, these people who were playing, who had killed three men in this address in Cork were playing cat and mouse with the guards and they had moved the body about 24 hours later. Yes, yeah, earlier. Yeah. This was Patrick O'Driscoll, Cahill O'Brien and Kevin Ball and a murder yeah. charge against Fred Flannery then collapsed in the Central Criminal Court. And of course he passed away in the early noughties. Um, yeah, and, 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 and when the trial collapsed um, a week later, um, or a couple of weeks later, um, Patrick O'Driscoll's body was found in a hold all on the lower Glamoire Road. Right. Yeah. You house, know, it was a bizarre story. The House yeah, of Hearts. Um, the, the, the shooting dead of small little wee Deirdre Crowley was another one. God almighty, that was heartbreaking, wasn't it? Yes, and I, I mean, I, I, if her mum is listening this morning, I, I, again, our sympathies. Uh, Deirdre was a gorgeous little girl. She had, um, her mum and dad had been separated and um, Deirdre was taken away one afternoon on a, an outing with her dad and never returned. And I interviewed, we all interviewed the mum over the years, hoping that she'd be returned. And the mum made numerous appeals to anybody and whoever had Deirdre to return. And one day out of the blue, it had broke that um, we, we got information that guards had tracked uh, Deirdre and her father to a house in Clonmel. Yes. My understanding is that Deirdre's mum had been informed, we found her, she'll be home tonight. And as the guards were going into the house, Deirdre Crowley's father became aware they were outside and unfortunately he shot little Deirdre and then shot himself. Unreal. It was oh horrific. My God, oh my and I remember being there at that night, seasoned guards crying and getting sick at the site, at the scene. It was just so, so sad. Um, Dealing with the deaths of children, though, they've got to be the hardest. I mean, you mentioned Deirdre Crowley. Also, you covered the Robert Houlihan case. Yeah, I remember, uh, I think it was the 4th of January, and uh, we, uh, you know, we got a phone call to say there was a boy missing from a house in East Cork who went down. And I remember there was a crowd of people gathered at a location that were going to start searching from this particular point. Um, 
and I remember one of the first people I met and spoke to was Robert's uh, lovely father, uh, Mark. And uh, the search continued, went into a second day and a third day and a fourth day. And I mean, Mark's parents, Mark and Magella, or Robert's parents, Mark and Magella, were so nice to everybody throughout this. I mean, <clears throat> um, this story gripped the nation. You had what I can only describe as a gorgeous looking kid. He was a smasher, yeah. beautiful, smiling face. And I remember talking to the guards and I suggested to the guard the press office that... Um, let's do a reconstruction and they said fine and they asked me to go away and get a, a lookalike and I went up to Flora Sullivan who was the principal at the time in St Anthony's School in Bannalock and she took me around some of the classrooms and I found this boy and his parents allowed us to uh, he allowed him to take part in the reconstruction and we were down in Robert's house in um, Valley Edmund in Middleton and we were filming and this young fellow was going around on the BMX one of the last sightings uh, Magella had of Robert and there he was just enjoying himself, cycling around to part of the reconstruction. And whatever way I looked, I looked to the right and there was Magella looking out the window at this young fellow who was the spitting image of her son. And I, I mean, I was caught in two. I could only imagine How what she, she was going through. This was before Robert's uh, remains were found. It was so sad. I mean, that, any choy, any story to do with children uh, is horrific. I remember another one, Neil. A little boy born to a couple in Mill Street, a baby Jacob. Um, I mean, I've covered stories where children are blind, but this child was born without any eyes. And I had, we had um, just um, given birth to, um, our dear had given birth to our son around the same time, Callum. And I remember going down to the house and I just broke down when I saw this child. And as the parents ended up consoling me, yes. and putting their arms yeah. around me, yeah. Yeah. I just I was broken hearted. Yeah. I mean, Christ, like he, he had no eyes. It was so sad. You do it. You did a lot over the years of stories like that. Actually, people who you know, human human interest well, interest is the wrong word, but I think you know what I mean by that. Uh, does yeah. that come from marrying, settling down, having your own children, Callum, Charlie, it's May? Possibly does, but I'm I, I'm I've always been interested in um, human interest stories. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm interested in political stories, but I love um, human stories that involve people like you and I and John and Mary again on the street. You mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. uh, you just can't beat those kind of stories. You know, that, that's. Yeah. And again, it's it's very sad that at times when there's a story of a child in need of a, a life-saving operation or in surgery and the operations are cancelled over and over, um, they come to the media and they air their problems on, on the national airwaves. And then two days later, the operation that had been put off on so many occasions is, uh, is suddenly pencilled in. Yeah, yeah. But that's the power of the media. You know, people don't want to do it, but they're... they're it does make a difference, and you've found that too, oh, have yeah. you? That you know, making your story public and making people aware can push doors an awful lot faster. But you, you have over the years been critical of RTE, though, particularly their news coverage, particularly from a Munster and a Cork perspective. Yeah, look, I, I won't go into too much of it, I suppose. All I'll say is, look, I mean, we have five stories a week from Cork on average. There's a lot happening out there. I suppose if you were paying a licence fee to Virgin Media News, you'd be getting value for money. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. You won an award for your work on Sophie Toscan de Plantier's death, didn't you? 
Yeah, and we did a documentary on Sophie Tuscan-Deflantier, uh, the, the investigation. That was a number of years ago. In fact, Ian Bailey, her partner, or um, Ian Bailey, the man involved in the, the, the investigation, was before the courts yesterday uh, in West Cork. Mm. But, uh, yeah, that, that story has been uh, going since 1996. And... Um, We've done so many stories on that, and again, the whoever killed Sophie is, remains at large. Do you ever look back at the forty years and wonder, wow, how did I ever manage to do that? Coming from you know such a young age without any formal education as such, do you think you were lucky? Um, do you think it's luck? Do you think lucky. it's talent? Do you think it's hard work? Very, very luck, very lucky. A lot of hard work, and I, I'm, and I admit this openly. And you can ask anybody I work with, I'm a bluffer. <laughs> I have a gold medal in bluffing and uh, I just happen to be, I suppose, there's a lot of luck when it comes to what I've done. Um, but I've enjoyed it, Neil, and that's what's important, that I don't, um, I wake up in the morning and I look forward to going to work. I mean, if you didn't, you, I wouldn't be where I am today, I suppose. Um, and what, and what about to those then <clears throat> that are um, looking to get into media? There are many different strands now and much of it has moved digital, as you know, and it's ever-changing, ever-evolving. What advice would you give to them? Well, if you can get into a radio station or get your foot in the door of a TV station, get in there, um, get as much work experience as possible. Uh, if you see a camera crew on the street and you're interested in that work, stop and say hello to the cameraman, say hello to the reporter, ask them questions, don't be shy, because if you're going to keep your mouth shut, you're not going to get anywhere. Unfortunately, in this day and age as well, I think getting into organisations is a little bit more difficult than it was in the past because of insurance purposes, and that's a shame. And I know like there are broadcasting schools and what have you like that, and you know, Skull Stefan Nafa, you have Pete O'Neill outside there, and he's a fabulous broadcasting course, and there there are so many courses. Nothing, of course, beats the real thing. Getting in, getting out there with the crews and learning. And I mean, if you're with someone, ask, ask, ask. Look, listen and learn. Take it all in. Write down uh, the names and numbers of everyone you meet because you never know when you need, need to pick the phone up in four or five years. They say, remember meeting that person. They might be able to help me with that story. Um, keep every name and number that you come across. So vital contacts are, are so vital. Yeah, I think Pirate Radio gave people an awful opportunity back in the day to cut their teeth and make mistakes. And many pirates then went on to have very successful careers. The younger generations now don't really have that opportunity apart from maybe doing it for themselves. I mean, tech now allows you. I mean, much of your work can probably be done, can probably be done on the hoof now, can't it? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the last time we were, I, we have an office in Cork and it's just myself, Rory uh, Rory Fuller, my cameraman, but we read it um, from the back of the Jeep and that's that's what a lot of people are doing in this day and age, you're editing and on the road and you're sending it, uh, there's no more big satellite vans, you now have a thing called a live view, it's, a, it's just um, the size of a briefcase and you put your card into that and send your report to Dublin and it's transmitted then from Dublin and the good thing about it is that you edit everything yourself so anything that you see coming out on air is that the person the ed- the reporter or editor cameraman have edited that themselves but uh, technology I, I, I myself in technology is like school I wouldn't be the greatest at technology but it's it's a young man's game and you've got it's 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 ever evolving. There's new technology every day. You've got to be ahead of the posse. You've got to have you know it's all about social media, having your story out there. You're inside in court covering a court case. You could be writing your notes and tweeting and putting stuff up on Facebook at the same time. Well, you say it's young person's game. Does that mean that you kind of tend to look over your shoulder from time to time, wondering, oh my God, how long more how long more have I got at this? Are you saying I'm paranoid, Neil? No, I'm just wondering. I'm not saying you're going to be cancelled in this cancel no, no, culture. I'm joking, yeah. is, is it something that you're aware of now? 
Yeah, I suppose. Look, if if you're if you're good at your job, you'll stay. You'll stick at it, and they'll probably keep you on as long as uh, you can breathe. Um, I mean, but definitely. I mean, uh, look, you're, you're, so uh, everyone has to retire at some stage. But um, it, it, it's definitely uh, you've got to be young. You've got to be fit. Uh, I'm 55 and on fit. <laughs> but you've really got to be on your toes and know what's going on around you. And social media is the big thing at the moment. It really is. Everybody is looking at Twitter and Facebook for their news feed. And what about personal life then? All good? What was the last 12 months like? Do you find it tough? How are the family? Good? Uh, they're good. Um, I look, I, uh, thankfully, I mean, I, I feel so sorry for children and families who were uh, behind closed doors during the, 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 the major part of the pandemic. Um I thank God I had a job that I was able to get out every day mm. and work because, I mean, being stuck inside door, indoors with um, children isn't easy for everyone. And thankfully, we, we uh, rode out the storm and we came out the other side and we still are. And, you know, um, I think we're out the, the, the worst of it. No, please, yeah. God. Yeah. You, know? you said that throughout your life and throughout your jobs, you've met the richest of the rich, the most vulnerable, the poorest of the poor. Um, I mean, that's, 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 an ama- right. that's an amazing achievement, isn't it, to have met so many people over those years. Um, I imagine that the poorest or the more vulnerable would have impressed you a lot more than the richest of the rich. Yeah, Neil, I'm not sure. I've been in mansions. I've been in tenements. I've been uh, where people are sleeping under lorries and in driveways and under buses. And I remember there was one homeless the term home is a rough sleeper it'll upset people but the most vulnerable person um, one night we were filming and I've done so much on, on the, the homeless and vulnerable around the city and rough sleepers but I remember one I remember all of them but this guy in particular he said to me Paul the only time you look down on someone is when you're putting out your hand to pick them up off the ground yeah, yeah, and I yeah. went wow yeah. something sick. that was strong you know what I mean and, and do you think so with I, all I, the decades I'll walk I'll walk, and as I said, I've been in the best of the best and the worst of the worst. And thankfully, I mean, I, I'll walk around town today and be saluted by the tops of the tops and the, the fellows who might be going to court for this and that. And you know, was there ever any grief? Uh, was there ever any grief after the court reports from people who were going down? <clears throat> oh yeah, I mean, you 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 get abuse. Um, I've got a few hidings um, from people. Um, really? Like courts. Yeah, yeah, you know, and if it's not done the day, I've often got a slap at a later stage, you know, something for that. That was for the day you covered my mother's uh, or my father's court case or my brother's court case. Does that make you nervous going around that that potentially could happen again? <clears throat> it can happen, but you don't. You can't think about it. If you were that, if like that, you'd never come outside the door. But I mean, I remember we were outside the court covering these two guys who were up for uh, drugs charges, and um, they were the trial was going on for about a week. We were there almost every day, and they'd come in every day, and they would run for the camera, and they would spit at the camera, and it's, you'd say, you don't react, and you just let them carry on. And I remember being up in court prison a couple of years later filming and we were in the kitchen and uh, this prisoner came over to me. He said, uh, how are you doing? He said, listen, he put out his hand. He said, listen, I owe you an apology. I said, what's that for? He said, uh, remember the court case there a couple of years ago, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh yeah. He said, oh, he was the one who was spitting all the morning. I said, he said, I'm sorry about that. 
And I said to myself, no, 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 fair play to you. You're nice to be apologise. But I said, the more you do that every morning, make great television. So the more you do that, keep doing it. You know, <laughs> make great television when fellas go for you or whatever like that. And with but, the- uh, no, uh, yeah, you, 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 you run the risk. And again, then <clears throat> social media, it can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. It can be toxic. Very, very seldom would I read comments. But I remember one particular case. Look, I'm, I'm called all sorts of things on social media day after day. Um, do you read it? But it very rarely, but I remember this one. Somebody t- tipped me off and said, you should read this particular comment. And it, it really got personal. It, it, it brought uh, my wife, Deirdre, and the kids into it. And I said, no, I didn't react. Because if you react, they've won. If you ignore it, you know, shut. And this person again sent me a private message days later. Paul, I really apologise for what I said. You yeah, know? But, but at that stage, but that's, uh, apologies are, that's fair enough. But the, the damage <clears> was done. Like the hurt was imparted. Mm-hmm. You know? I know, I know. It was at that stage, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, so what? Look, what I, I'm not going. I don't hold a grudge, you know. Yeah. What What do you make of the world now, as opposed to the world when you started? Is it a better or worse place with all that you've reported upon? Um, we're living in a, a very fast-moving world. Um, it's what can I say? I suppose. Look, my son's straight, but where we're living in Cork, it's a unique city. Um, I often say. We're a large town or a large village. It's it's beautiful place, mm-hmm. and well, I think we're very lucky to be here. I mean, if it, the, the way the world is evolving, if you were in the likes of Dublin and other places, I don't know. I just don't think it, the, the city the city lends itself to a little bit of normality, and the pace is somewhat easier down here. Yes, but but you, nonetheless, you do report on many murders and many attacks and many drug busts, and you see the scourge <clears throat> of of drugs and heroin and what have you which were not existent when you were starting out in the same kind of numbers. That's my point, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I remember, like, when I was young, you know, you'd hear fellas smoking a bit of cannabis. But no, it's heroin. Um, it has the city destroyed, in that sense, heroin and uh, cocaine. Um, and, you know, I often said the guys who take a line of cocaine at the weekend, the guys in the shirts and ties who mightn't think much of it, they're lining the pockets of the big barons globally mm. who are taking other guys out with a shotgun or a handgun. So every time they snort a line, they're helping, they possibly could be helping uh, to have somebody taken out. It's, it's, drugs are just the ruination of this, uh, this country. It's horrific. And I mean, in fairness, I'm you know, going to courts day after day and you, you'll see the judges and in fact Judge Olin Kelleher twice in the last couple of weeks have has lashed out and has spoken of the scourge. Um, you know, but it, it's something I, I, I don't know will we ever really get, get a grip on the, the, the drug culture. I guess you, you continue with the work you do and remain impartial of the world we live in, right? Yeah, you just you have to go in and report uh, on the stories, uh, report them to the best of your ability. Um, you have, if a man says A, you've got to report with the other man, he says B, and then you uh, just put it together and when that story is, once that story is done, I suppose it's like the newspapers, you move on to the next story. And that's what you're doing this morning, moving on to the next story. We'll, we'll chat again when you hit your 50th anniversary. All right, Neil, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Neil, can well I done. just say before I go... Um, Thanks very much to yourself and Emer and all the crew there today for allowing me the opportunity to to, uh, to have this opportunity because I just want to say genuinely thanks to everybody I suppose who listened to me in radio and has been um, <clears throat> tuning into TV3 and, and Virgin Media over the last number of years. Uh, thanks to Rory Fuller, my cameraman, who's uh, my wingman. In fairness, I couldn't do it without him. And uh, thanks to dear to my wife and the family and also 
who my late mum and dad who were very supportive of me and uh, I want to thank them for that and I suppose if she had complained of having a headache one night many many years ago I wouldn't be here today <laughs> Because your mam lived, your mam lived to a ripe old age, but your dad died young. Um, wh- fifty-two, Neil. Yeah, 52. yeah, yeah. He, he would have been. He, they must have been very proud of you. Yeah, I think so. Really, yeah, I couldn't have done it without them. And um, you know, it, I, I owe an awful lot to them, and I learned an awful lot from my dad. To be honest with you, I mean, as I said, he was in entertainment and business, and thankfully, I was able to pick up a few tips from him over the years. Good stuff. Well, there's a lot more tricks in the bag, I hope. Listen, you've been very helpful and support to us over the years, and I want to thank you for that. We're all the better for knowing you. Happy 40th. Um, don't know how you will celebrate under the circumstances now, but we'll, we'll catch up sometime when it's more safe to do so. All right? I, I have two bottles of Tanora, a Swiss roll, and a Battenberg ready for tonight. <laughs> that will just do it nicely. <laughs> and Neil... If I don't see you, happy Christmas. Okay, my friend. Well, congratulations again. 40 great years. The great Paul Byrne, Southern correspondent with Virgin Media News. But that doesn't even begin to describe all he's done in his 40-year career. Lines open at one 104 106 Back after the break. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red. Part of the conversation with Paul Byrne, we mentioned, you know, the tech world that we're living in and how quickly tech is moving now. There's a story breaking this morning from Cork Bio that says that there has been a major cyber attack uh, within the HSE and it's caused widespread disruption to hospitals and appointments and all sorts of issues related uh, to the HSE this morning, including the CUH. The CUH is currently working on the issue. Uh, we don't have much details as to what's uh, what's actually happened, uh, but um, they're saying that they've experienced difficulties in their IT system and they'll provide a full statement shortly. But the HSC said uh, that uh, it is struggling to restore or struggles to restore its IT system after a significant ransomware attack. Now, ransomware is a lot of the time is where a system is attacked, shut down, taken over, and it's left that way until you pay the cyber attacker's money to release the system again. And you know, an awful lot of businesses do pay. It's recommended that you don't. I don't know what you do if you don't. They say that if you pay uh, cyber ransom attacks, they'll just come back again for more and more because you're deemed then to be vulnerable. But there you have it, a cyber attack is just breaking this morning. Uh, how extensive it is, we'll just have to wait and see. If that wasn't bad enough, of course, <coughs> issues regarding the CUMH and maternity uh, continues to dominate much of the news. Uh, and I was mentioning yesterday that it seemed to me as if... Um, the CUMH aspect was resolved with this app, which allows partners in an awful lot more. But people are telling me differently. Uh, like one text says, I want to give you an insight into how partners are not allowed into maternity hospitals. In December, after a long battle with fertility, I discovered I was pregnant. Well done. We were over the moon. Unfortunately, after a scan in early pregnancy, we were told that things weren't looking good for our baby. I had to attend every 48 hours. was also admitted three times as it was very poorly. I had to attend alone. I was devastated at the thought of losing my little miracle baby. I'll never forget how lonely and isolated I felt in the CUMH at the time. I feel in these circumstances, partners should be allowed in, as my partner lost his baby too, not just me. And because I had to stay in hospital being separated while grieving had a huge effect on us. I really hope no other couple has to go through what we went through. Uh, another one, I just wanted to say one thing about the CUMH. I'm, I'm eight months pregnant. As an essential worker, I had to keep working all the way through pregnancy, and I will until the 19th of June. 
when I go into the city centre and see tables outside coffee shops, I see people sitting together under the sun, happy and cheerful. I can't stop thinking that my partner hasn't even had the chance to be with me during a visit or a scan. We're lucky because we had the chance to have a private scan so you could see his son for the first time. But he hasn't spoken a sing- to a single doctor nor midwife. We haven't had a chance to enjoy the shopping around for bits and pieces for the baby. We haven't had the chance to have people over for a cup of tea to enjoy the news. I just can't take it anymore. We've been forgotten by everyone and it's taken its toll on my mental health because all mental burden is on me, even though my partner does his best. And I'll always be grateful for that. And just one more, one fast one. It's just not good enough. I had an early scan last week after having a miscarriage in November. I had to go there alone because of these restrictions. I explained to the sonographer that this is my first pregnancy since my miscarriage and she still left the student do the scan. The student spent about four minutes, which felt like half an hour, looking for the baby. And then she stopped and went looking for the sonographer. I got absolutely hysterical at the thought the baby was dead or ectopic. And the sonographer just said to the student, you need to lean down harder, lean down harder zero compassion. I'm sorry, but it's time to allow partners attend. I've been through a birth where my husband is still waiting on the call uh, that I'm going down for the emergency section. I've been through a miscarriage where I had to bring the baby into the hospital in a container and a first scan all on my own. I'm sorry, but this is just not good enough. And those texts to 0868104106. Lots of calls and texts after 10. Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat and my mildly interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Uh, just getting news of um, a report of a cement lorry gone over a bridge in Kanturk. Apparently, I'm told the driver ended up in the river. Um, I won't say much about his, his injuries because I can't confirm them, but no members of the public were, were involved or injured. But um, certainly, uh, you know, uh, I think that the uh, driver of the lorry will certainly be going to hospital, I believe. That's again Turk this morning. That's just breaking. Um, and also there's a media statement from the CUH now with regards to this uh, cyber attack. Um, they say some systems can work in a limited capacity uh, by not connecting to the network. And that allows the capability of some services which the hospital can provide. But the CUH have just sent me this statement. They're saying that they wish to advise the public of the following. If you have an OPD appointment, chemotherapy appointment, surgery appointment... Come to the hospital unless you are contacted with a cancellation. Come anyway. You may expect normal systems to be limited. Therefore, CUH may not have access or full access to all records. Uh, labs are, are severely affected, apparently. Existing GP bloods will not be processed at this time. That means if GPs have sent bloods for processing and waiting results, that's not happening for now. Only emergency bloods are being processed. Patients with x-ray appointments today should not attend unless you're contacted. So if you're not contacted, you had an x-ray appointment today at CUH, do not go. Uh, management wish to remind the public that people should only attend the emergency department uh, in emergency situations. And delays are likely even there as a result of the current IT situation. All right, so they will update me as things move on, but that's the latest I have from you. Uh, from the uh, CUH. This, and imagine we might even get some updates as well from other Cork hospitals, but this is a cyber attack uh, that is becoming way too prevalent in the world we live in. 
today. So I'll keep you updated on that one. Free Food Friday today, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. We will have three winners. Time for some shout-outs. We'll do the winners around over a quarter to midday. Good morning to everybody at O'Mahony Walsh, Main Street, Balancholic, in particular, Larry and Noreen and everybody out there. Dunn Stores in Blackpool, morning all of the staff. They've worked so hard during COVID. Morning, Rosemary. O'Leary Insurances in Lockmahon House. Worked all the way through the pandemic. Good morning to Michelle. Uh, who else have I got for you? Dupuis in Johnson & Johnson in Ringeskiddy. Also to Mark, who's uh, working from home today and has a large family to feed. Oh, here's an interesting one. Pizza, please, from my son, Glenn, and all his Leaving Cert pals who finish in Ballancolic Community School today. They had a tough year and they deserve a treat. They've been super, and I'm really proud of them, says Gillian. Everybody at Driscoll Motors in Inscara, to all of the staff at PepsiCo in Little Island, St. Finbar's Hospital, all of the nurses listening this morning, Kiri's on the Kinsale Road, particularly the 10 hungry valitors. Wow, 10 of you. A lot of valitors for a lot of cars. The Oak Ward in Farnley Road Nursing Home. Good morning, all. Riverview Vets in Carrigal Line. Amy, who's working from home in Maryborough, would love pizza for herself and the housemates to kick off the weekend. Ailish is listening in Middleton. Uh, Darren and Nicola, Nicole Desmond, Darren Brown and Nicole Desmond, working from home for 16 months in a one-bed studio apartment. And they still haven't killed each other. <laughs> Their words, not mine. Jason and Grona Braha, the Stafford Common Sports Warehouse in Little Island, Dripsy Cleaning Drains, Cork Cleaning Solutions, the Labour Ward at the CUMH, Cork Hygiene on the Sarsfield Road, all of the staff at Anglesey Street Garda Station, and Jessica working from home as well. Don't know where, but you'd love some pizza for the weekend. So keep those shout-outs coming, who you are and where you are. Text 0868-104-106. Meanwhile... I would like, if you don't mind, to have a chat with uh, Anna because she has something interesting to report. Unidentified flying objects. Take me to your leader. Anna, good morning. Good morning. Has 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 anybody else seen what you've seen? They have, thankfully. Yeah, I'm not alone. We are not alone. <laughs> we are not alone. I love it. <laughs> Somebody sent me a text yesterday saying that the American government in the next few weeks are going to release evidence of unidentified flying objects and people from other planets. I've heard that. I've heard the same, yes. Can't wait. But you might have had an early visit, did you? Well, un- unless they're trying to see what I'm watching on TV, uh, I don't think it's that interesting. Uh, <laughs> so we, well, I've been watching a drone over the past few months, um, out kind of southwest of Ballincollig. Uh, now it's it's fairly big, and it's not one of the little domestic drones you can buy. Uh, and it's it's flying in a grid pattern over fields and dual carriageway to a certain How extent. far up is it? It's quite far up. It, it would be higher than, like, a a small drone would be allowed to go. Is it, like, uh, half a mile? No, no. It's not. hundreds of feet? Hundreds of feet, yeah. Two, three hundred feet, maybe. And you know it to be a drone that somebody's controlling then at night, is it? Well, that's what it looks like. It, it moves too slowly for an aircraft. Now, I've seen it through binoculars. Um. And it, it's hard to make out the exact shape, but the lights would make it look like a drone. You know, like, like the four corners. So it's too small for there to be anybody inside in it, like it's a drone. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah. And this is just southwest of Ballancolig? 
that's a, towards Kilnaglory Greenfield area. Yeah. Is it silent? Yeah. It is pretty silent. I mean, I've been outside watching it and haven't been able to hear anything. You know, like a, a drone you'd buy has, has got a very kind of high-pitched whirring noise. Where, it, where it's this is yeah. relatively silent. Yeah, I mean, last winter, I was out in my own garden um, and a drone, it was pitch dark, it was the middle of winter, and I heard this whirring noise. I looked up and there was a drone, but I don't know. Cheeky. 60, cheeky, 70, cheeky. 80 feet above me. Um, yeah. I thought, what the heck is going on? I just thought it was a bit over the top. Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, no I'd, I'd, be very, uh, I'd be very suspicious of, of a drone flying over the house. But um, as I say, this is over fields. Now, I know it's, other people have seen it kind of flying back towards the airport direction. Um, so it doesn't look like it's it's kind of sussing people's houses out, you know. It's, but if it's not really sussing people's houses out, what the hell is it doing flying over exactly. people's houses? My my question exactly, you know, because it's come back a few times. So it's, it's well, it's you've here, here's the point. You've had it and it's ongoing. I've had a drone over my back garden. I bet there's other people out there who have had drone visits from people. You know, um, yeah. I, I, I mean. Have you spoken to other friends in the area? I have. Now, some of the neighbours have seen it. I've spoken to, there's a kind of construction site. I thought maybe it was security or something for them. But they they weren't aware of anything either. So uh, so it is a mystery. Nobody can really uh, tell me what it's going on. And is on. it often? It, it's not very often. I've seen it maybe five or six times since last summer. It's always at night. Uh, the lights are really, really bright. So it's not... They're not, they're not being discreet, if you know what I mean. Uh, Do drones have lights on them, yeah? I mean, as in kind of lights that can light up the ground. I did, some of them have small lights. The, these are more, I'd say, for navigation rather than spying. Yeah, so that whoever is directing it with the camera uh, can see where the that damn thing is going. Have you exactly. shook your fist at it or shouted at it or done anything like that? I have gone and stood with my hands on my hips going, come here. And it hasn't made any... <laughs> Hasn't made any difference. No, it hasn't. Now, I mean, the, the lights shine into my living room if I'm watching TV. Ah, uh, for God's sake, but, that's over the top. I know, I know, yeah. It's, it's a bit intrusive, right? I wonder if other people have drone stories where they have stuff flying over their houses at night or in the middle of the day. Sh- you know? It's quite I'm invasive, sure isn't it? It is, it is. Like I say, I, I don't think there's stuff in our house out, but uh, I'd, be, I'd be very interested to find out what they are doing. Do you believe that there are other planets with aliens? Well, we, they could regard us as the aliens, but, you know, other civilizations out there? Just curious. Uh, I would say there's enough evidence to suggest there's something other than us. There's bound but, to be, isn't there? I mean, yeah. you know, it would be, it would be very, very uh, remiss of us to even think that we were the only people in this massive... We'd be very, very lonely, wouldn't we? You know, but just massive galaxy, like, you know, that we're, yeah. that we're the only ones... You know? The only one smart enough to uh, to develop technology. They, they, they may even be amongst us and we don't even know it, you know? Well, it wouldn't surprise me. Some people that I meet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's see if other people have any issues with drones, shall we? And uh, great, great thank you for you. taking the call. Appreciate it. Thanks, no Anna. Problem. Take care. Thanks. Lines Bye-bye. open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text if you have any drone sightings. Uh, in your own region, in your own house, in your own back garden, or indeed if you're a drone user, whether you go over housing estates and check out people's back gardens.
Lines are open for that. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. I ain't talking about drones, but also UFO sightings. I'd love to talk with more people with regards to UFO sightings um, because, you know, you hear of those all of the time, don't you? Anyone recently or even in the not-so-recent past figure they saw something that just didn't belong? Text 0868-104-106. So my chats this morning with uh, Paul Burns. Some lovely texts. Absolutely beautiful to listen to the iconic Paul with Neil this morning. Folded hands. What an excellent interview. A Cork hero. Well done, Paul, says Olivia. I'm 49. I remember Paul Byrne doing a Christmas party for Apple Computers in Holly Hill at the time. I was about 13 at the Christmas party. We thought he was a superstar. Paul is brilliant onwards and upwards. Thank you. Uh, Hype Neil, ask Paul, are multi-channels still giving out Manchester United t-shirts? There was a sting years ago, if I remember correctly, because there was all sorts of, do you recall that? There was dodgy boxes going around. There was people doctoring the multi-channel boxes, so you didn't have to pay for them. Uh, so multi-channel knew, I think at one stage, maybe there was certainly more people with dodgy boxes than legit boxes. So multi-channel had to do something about it. They were getting all of the television channels for free. There was a little businesses going on, doctoring the boxes. All you needed was a soldering iron. It was a simple job. So apparently they had to organize some sort of a sting. So they put up these, um, these ads, these still ads on the screen, um, uh, saying that they were giving stuff away. Um, and all you had to do was send your details, your name and your address and blah, 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 and you were in with a chance of winning or you would get a free prize. Uh, what happened then, of course, was the people who had dodgy boxes also entered and they managed to scoop an awful lot of people up by getting their names and addresses and checking them against their records to see if they were paying customers or not. GDPR would probably put a stop to the gallop of that now, but that was the sting way back. Uh, love, Mary, used to love uh, going to see Paul in Rickenbacker's nightclub where the love stories began. I think uh, Rickenbacker's was an early 80s uh, club over De Lacey House, I think. I'm open to correction there. I played gigs there, actually, back in the day. Congratulations, Paul, on 40 years. I knew him as a child in Burns Court, says Mary Gleeson. Um, you only look down on someone when you're reaching out your hand to help them. That's a beautiful quote, Paul, and a lovely candid interview from Paul Byrne this morning, says Deborah. Morning, Neil. Paul did my Paul was DJ for my twenty first birthday in the Glen Club. I'm fifty five now. That's my claim to fame when he comes on the telly. I tell my kids, he did my twenty first, and they say, You told us that before. Says Sharon from Ballyvalan. Um actually there's um irrefutable proof this morning. I read in some newspaper uh, that if your teenage son or daughter ignores you, it's not their fault. It's just not their fault. There's irrefutable evidence now to show that their brain hasn't fully developed in that department yet. And it'll all come right when they're in their 30s, I'd imagine. Anyway, lines open, one 106 And uh, don't forget, Monday, next Monday, full reopening of all retail, in case you'd forgotten. So another, uh, another momentous shift forward. First thing, Monday morning. Dan, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Uh, the minute you mentioned UFOs, yeah, absolutely. The, you get the text and the calls. What did you see? Well, Dominic Carrick told me to say there about two months ago, and um, there's a chap, you know, came at the gate there, he gave it your ticket and whatever. Look, I gave up with him, like, over his head, uh, about maybe uh, about maybe a mile away. There was just um, there was just silvery grey object. Now, it was the size, I suppose, of, um, you know, the lorries there that carried the old fuel, the tanks. That's big. Yeah, that is big. Now, this was round. Round in the front and round in the back. 
There was no noise, and it was going too slow for conventional aircraft because it was just flapped to the ground. Are you describing and what they used to call a flying saucer kind of thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, they all come in different shapes and sizes. All right. But, um, but halfway in the front of it, then, there was dark glass. Tinted windows? Yeah, you could see it. Was it hovering? Or right. just moving along very, very, very slow. What the heck was that? And it veered off to the left and it said we go on the, the little island direction. Was there anyone there with you that also saw it? Oh, yeah. Ken, Ken gave me the ticket. I said, look up at that. I said, what's that? He looked at it for about 10 seconds. I can't make it out. He said, I don't know what it is. Was it a satellite, you know? maybe? Something that Elon Musk has in the air? You know, those satellites, the Starlinks, no? I know. This was only up above maybe a mile. Oh, my God. Up. So it was like, you weren't confusing it with the space station. It was just... No, a thousand no, no, meters no. above you. That's all. That's all. No noise. No nothing. And just appeared after it left. It was most the world, most weird thing I've ever seen. Silent. Yeah. No. No propulsion at all whatsoever. Do you whip out the mobile phone? Get a snap of it? No. I wish I did. I wish I did. But there was a queue behind me. I had to move. <laughs> Gas, isn't it? That's that's carried tool a couple of months back. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. And the other chap seen it as well, like, so I'm not alone in it. So you believe that it was from another planet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be done. Oh, it had to be. It had to be. But there okay. was tinted windows in front of it, and you know, it, was, it was lovely to look at. Lights on oh, it? Any it. lights on it? No, no, it was just daytime. Middle of the day? No, there was no, no, there was no flashing lights. And up in the top of it, and there was a kind of, um, oh, you would see him there on the top of it, maybe some campus, there, kind of, uh, oh... For satellite, you know? Some kind of a dish, is it? Or antenna or something? Yeah, it was a dorm, a small dorm, and top of that again. <laughs> are you serious? Are you? Been, you've been serious with me now, are you? I am. You shut the other chap down. I can verify it as well. All right. Okay. All right. Amazing. All right. Thanks, Dan. Tim, good morning. Morning, Neil. What do you think of that? Uh, well, I've, I've never seen anything like that. Um, what have you from, seen? Well, I've seen uh, large, bright white lights uh, in the night sky, um, I had a bit of a UFO flap or an unidentified flying object flap for between 2008 and 2009. Sorry, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, that, that would be kind of ufology terminology, you know, for a consistent seeing of, um, uh, of I suppose, UFOs. They'd call it a flap. And between so like 2008 that, and 2009, what did you experience? What did you see? Um... Essentially, uh, I was working night shifts in our little process plant, and um, I was on the, when it first started. I was on the heading, heading. I was working in y'all. I was heading by Middleton, actually. Strange enough, for that chap saw his uh, his 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 UFO, and uh, I was in traffic, and I kind of, I looked up, and I saw this. It was it was about a thousand feet up altitude, and um, it was going very slowly. Big ball of white light traveling eastwards towards y'all and I was like Jesus I was just flabbergasted I pulled over and everything and, and, and just watched it but hold on right, straight away I'm thinking helicopter small yeah, plane I think, yeah uh, I was thinking the same thing I was thinking at the time I think the International Space Station yeah was, the space uh, was station can be bright yeah at the time you know so I was like oh, that's the International Space Station um, so that was grand and then um, about a week later, uh, on night shift, about three o'clock in the morning, yeah, saw uh, over the hill of Yaw, let's say, um, 
on the opposite side to the beach. About 1,000 feet again, 800 feet. Big ball of white light float, floating towards the cork direction. Slow moving. And uh, it flared. I would describe it as a flare. So it went from its... its it went... It, it got larger in size and then reduced back down in size. And then it started to move faster and it would tail, it would turn at an angle and, and start going up into into the atmosphere and disappear. And that happened consistently then for about, uh, about three or four times a month for about a year. Any videos of it? I don't have any videos of it, no. <laughs> no. And these um, these flares would that have been combustion from whatever propellant do you think or something? You know the, the no. The, the see was the, the strange thing about it because it is a strange phenomena is that I would actually feel it before I see it. What does that mean? I'd sense it. I would have a sense that I was going to see it, and then I'd go outside and there and it would be in front of me, floating along. You know. Why would you so sense it? I have no idea. Maybe I have extra abilities, Neil. I don't know. You see, that's the, like yeah. I love I love these stories, but I never know when people are being genuine. No disrespect no, I, to the I'm, stories they hear. I'm, Yours I'm are. To- I'm being totally genuine with you, Neil. Um, and to add to that fact, during the same time, my my son was conceived and born, um, and I tell him that story myself about what what was going on for me around the time he was born. So I don't know. It could have been some sort of astral visitation. You know, who knows? Are you a UFOologist? Uh, I, 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 I have an interest in all sorts of um, topics. Yeah, you see, Dan, uh, you see, Dan's story is amazing, but unfortunately, he describes a flying saucer with a little dome on it—the kind of things we used to see drawn in comics years ago. You know, and yeah. So therefore, I'm always yeah. thinking, yeah, but like, is he really telling me the truth? You see, there's, if you can define it in two ways, maybe you've got interdimensional or extraterrestrial. You know. Uh, in the in the UFO world, there's a, a leaning towards that what people are seeing and experiencing is an interdimensional uh, consciousness, and then there's a leaning then towards the kind of more material consciousness that it's inter uh, ex- extraterrestrial, so it's a manufactured craft on a different planet going through the universe. You know, but if that's the case and they are actually physically here, why why don't they ever land or why don't they ever Communicate. Contact I'd us. I'd say to be terrified to get into COVID. <laughs> You're winding me up, you see. No, seriously. <laughs> what, why I'm don't they, crazy. like? Are they lost or what? Or do they just not like us? They don't want to contact who's to us? Say that who's to say that they're not here, you know? I believe Antarctica is a, is a very interesting spot in relation to um, potential uh, alternative um, beings uh, uh, based in... Um, Thanks very much. Based <laughs> based on Earth, you know. You had the Admiral Bird. Did you ever hear of Admiral Bird? No. Uh, it was uh, he brought um, a carrier group down to Antarctica in about 1948 after the Second World War. And essentially, um, the story goes: it's, it's there's, full, there's videos of him being interviewed about it on on YouTube and whatnot. It's it's real history. Um, they went down, and they went down to kind of uh, Sussex. The whole the, the Nazis had bases uh, built supposedly in Antarctica. So Admiral Byrd of the U.S. Navy brought a carrier group down to Antarctica, and the story goes that they were ran out of it by um, interdimensional beings. Ran out of it, like chased away. 
They were chased out of a town. And there's so video footage of this? Old camera um, footage? There, There's interviews with Admiral Byrd online, yeah. From like, in black and white from the, uh, from the early 50s. Yeah. So, you know, the information's out there. I, I believe as well that the, uh, the U.S. government are doing a massive um, information drop, the biggest in world history, in June or July. In I heard. Is that true, or is it stuff you? That's just... true. Yeah, yeah, that's happening. It was part of a. Co- it was wrapped up in one of the COVID relief packages uh, that the Senate put together. They've got but so they... much stuff in drawers; they just need to get it out there. Is it? Yeah, I believe Trump put it in there as one of his before he left to release uh, information. Yeah, you know, like when they're putting together the, the relief packages, there's all this kind of legislation and budgets and all the rest of it get rolled into these kind of uh, uh, relief packages. And Trump chucked in that, that the uh, CIA and the FBI and all those agencies have to release all their information. Oh, so my God. I'd say this summer is going to be quite interesting. Oh, my God. That would be amazing if it were true come June. All right, wait and see. Uh, hey, Neil, Neil, hang on. Yeah. This is true. That's factual. This is going to happen. No, but... I know, I know. I know, but everything, com- everything comes with a caveat these days, you know, until you see, until I can reach out, see it, feel it, touch it, breathe it, experience it. No, I'm not, I'm not, not believing it, but I just wait yeah. and see it happen, all right? That's the thing. Okay. Cheers, oh, my man. Thanks, Tim. Take care. Luke, good morning. Not, yeah, can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, just very Hello. quickly, what did you experience? Uh, myself and uh, a buddy were actually sitting, uh, we were living in Milton, and there was a, a slow comet going right past the moon. And then right after it ended, there was something zigzags. And I, I, I sent you a video, but there's a lot of lemons, but you you can't obviously throw it on air, can you? No, I haven't seen it yet. No, I haven't seen it. I get to, uh, we don't have it yet, I'm told. But it was zigzag, zigzagging motions, you're saying? No, uh, there was. Uh, I'm living in Milton, and I seen exactly the exact same time what he was saying. Uh, it was like it was. It looked like a star, but it was going across the sky really slowly. And then after, then straight straight away after, there was, there was something came after and zigzagging. So what you're describing is what Tim also saw, same time, same area, yeah, East Cork. Same time, same area, everything. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Cheers, pal. Thanks for stopping by. PJ McNamara. Morning. Good morning, Neil. How, How are, are you, you kid? It's been a while. Welcome back. What's up? It's been a while. I've been busy. I'm the very same as a, I'm the very same as a young suck half here since the, the, the restrictions were lifted last Monday. Whatever that means. <laughs> a young a young suck half. And you let a young suck half out into out in the pasture for the first time. All right. <laughs> Runs all over the. You're place. doing wrecked so then, anyway. traveling to places. All right. What did you see? Yeah, when I was about nine or ten years of age, um, I suppose it would have been about half ten at night. Uh, um, I lived out on the Leash to Kenny Borders um, uh, at the time. And it was about half nine or ten o'clock on a Saturday night. And I went out. We had an outside toilet at the time, so I, I went out to use the toilet. And I came back in. I just looked up in the sky. And I seen... T- it was it was a banana shaped object glowing bright orange. Now it was actually shaped like a banana, right? That's a meteor it coming into the Earth's atmosphere, isn't it? Burning up? No, wait, wait, and I tell you now. Um, we I didn't know much about UFOs or anything at the time, but I stayed and I watched it 
And as as I watched it, there was two orange orbs came out of the bottom of it. And this is this is true, and I've seen it. There was no cameras or that around it. Yeah, but it's still a meteor burning up. No, it stayed in the sky. It wasn't burning up. I've seen meteors burning up. I've seen that before because I've been a pretty constant sky watcher now since. Okay. You know? So I've seen meteors burn up. But just two smaller, much smaller orange orbs came out from underneath the bottom of it and they shot away to the south at huge speed. Amazing. Now, yeah, amazing. Huge speed. It just shot away. And you know the way a banana is shaped? If you put, a say, like a banana on its back, it seemed to, like, turn kind of 360. Yeah, but who'd want, who'd want to design a flying craft in the shape of a banana? Like, in fairness, even people smarter than us, like, would know better than that. Yeah, but you see, this is it. Maybe that's why they are smarter than us. <laughs> maybe they're, maybe they're the, that's how they're getting around them, and we're not. I believe we're way too, the universe is way too big for us. I think we'd be naive. I, I think. think very naive. Um, I think it would be very conceited of us to think we're the only ones. Yeah, I mean, who's to say we're, we're not the aliens? <laughs> I mean, life, life could have traveled. Who's to say that you're not an alien? Well, How, who's to say that, that I haven't been put on the air by another alien species? Yeah, but as you could ask two of the ex-wives about that. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, my man. Look after yourself. Appreciate it. Cheers. It was a pleasure talking Take to you as care. always. All right. Falling occupants of interplanetary craft. Falling occupants of interplanetary craft. A contact with you. Meanwhile, back here on Earth, something really real is happening. I shouldn't say that, actually, because I shouldn't doubt people who tell me stories of this. I just want to see it with my own eyes. Uh, about a week back, I was talking to uh, some good people down in uh, West Cork, amongst them Emma, who had under one meg, you wouldn't pull the skin off a sausage, sausage with the broadband speed down west these days. Uh, awful. And she's got her own businesses and other businesses like hers. Do you remember that conversation? Well, she, during the conversation, she said that they had been in touch with... Uh, Elon Musk's company, uh, Starlink, isn't it? Because they have satellites and they can get... The plan is that they have these satellites and they, they're almost like convoys of satellites that circumvent the globe and they can get all sorts of strong and fast, powerful broadband into the most rural areas. Would you believe it that um, Elon Musk's company have come back uh, to Emma and she joins me by phone morning again? Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm well. So what happened next? So basically, thank you very much for the plug, because because of that, we were given lots more media coverage. And with that information, I went back to their EU, so SpaceX's EU press department. And within 12 hours, I had received um, uh, contact from their marketing department. And then we had a chat that evening. And now we are being offered the opportunity to trial their Starlink um, beta program myself and Leslie, and we're absolutely delighted. Uh, how will that happen? <laughs> so basically, the equipment is in transit, so they will send us what we need, so our tripod, our router, etc. 
and then they will kind of um, specifically beam in the satellite broadband over our premises. Just exclusively for the two of you, is it? Well, we're trying, we're trialling it out. Yes. I mean, basically, it hasn't been, it's not yet widely available and it has to be um, okayed by Comreg. So, if you like, it has already been trialled in Kerry and we are being piloted in our Nakawadra here in West Cork. There's no the cable Netflix. involved in this, there's no fibre, nothing. It's Elon Musk's travelling space satellite. SpaceX, Starlink, better programme. So they obviously Googled so. you after you got in touch and they saw all yeah. of the media press interest and said, yeah, this could be a good opportunity for us. It's a good opportunity for well, them too. Well, absolutely. It's mutually beneficial. But it's also been a fantastic boost for our own campaign because we're still keeping the fibre campaign alive and we really do believe that that is a great solution for us here in our broadband dead zone because, in the fact, dead you know, zone. Like we that. need more than one solution to this issue. Um, and I really believe that the, that the satellite option could be fantastic, and if it was rolled out, it could actually guarantee us connectivity here in you know, you, rural Ireland. Have you, yeah, absolutely, that's the plan, to get that kind of technology without anything being hooked up or cables or dug up or anything, beams directly exactly. to the home. Elon, Musk's yeah. gives, Elon Musk gives you the router, signal comes from space. Have you seen the trail of satellites, I wonder? Because you, you'd be in a dark zone down there, wouldn't you? We in our, we're in a dark zone, but actually last night I was, funnily enough, out under the stars, which were absolutely beautiful. I didn't see any UFOs, by the way, <laughs> okay. um, but I will be on the lookout from now on. But it was such a beautiful, clear, clear sky. So I guess they, you know, they have, they have this covered, you know, they know what they're doing. But we will be trialling it out and we will definitely report back. When are you getting the delivery? Is it in transit? It is in transit. It was shipped about two days ago, so you'd imagine within the next couple of weeks. Oh, my God. What kind of speed did they say, or did they? They, they did. They said between 50 and 150. 150. Which will make, which will make a, a big boost for us, because at the moment our upload speed is 0.7. Oh, my God. So you're talking and, about nearly 200 times faster. Well, exactly. And it really, realistically, we would need about 10. I mean, we can operate with 10. We can send emails. We can deliver our classes online. We can... Yeah, but you're still our... in the buffering zone in te- at 10. You're still in buffer Yeah, land. no, yeah. I mean, what I mean is anything would be better than 0.7. Okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? okay. Well, Elon so, Musk has come to Nakawadra. Watch this exactly. space for details. What you need now is, is DHL to come to Nakawadra with the router. Absolutely, and we'll keep you posted. You're the Thanks greatest. So much, Neil. Cheers, Emma. Take care. Okay. Bye. Back after Bye. the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Text 0868104106. Big response to yesterday on the topic of religion and sex education and what is deemed to be family in Ireland today, as opposed to the traditional narrative, perhaps, of the Catholic Church uh, and what our children are being taught at a very young age, particularly with regards to the crucifixion. Neil, people wear a man nailed to a cross around their neck in the form of gold as a fashion statement. It would be interesting if he was hanged or stoned to death what these same people would be wearing then. Have, have people nothing to worry about? I'm 40 now. I was making my first communion. Um, I don't remember being traumatised by pictures of Jesus on the cross. My generation have kids so confused now from all this political correctness. They don't know whether they're coming or going, the kids. They're afraid to have their own opinions. 
Tell your one, raise her child without religion, but don't be forcing the rest of us not to have our own beliefs. My children are not christened. They go to educate together, and thankfully there are schools like this now, sadly not as many as there should be. Uh, Are we really suggesting, Neil, that Catholic schools cannot teach Catholic philosophies, but it's perfectly acceptable to teach children that there are 80, 90, or unlimited sexes and genders now? Why is it one set of ideological teaching accepted and protected and another isn't? I believe, says Richie, the pendulum has swung too far the other way now. Morning, your child doesn't have to be christened to go to a Catholic school. The rules have changed. Another one says, are we suggesting that a child can comprehend the crucifixion of Christ, but it's fine to teach them about abortion? And one more for now. I get what people are saying about teaching very young children about a man being nailed to a cross and the awfulness around the image. I remember being educated by the nuns many years ago and the understanding that Jesus died for our sins by being nailed to a cross didn't impact on me. As my understanding as a very young child was that Jesus was no ordinary man. He was God's son, so it appeared very removed from real life. The whole teaching of hell and damnation right through school, I found that absolutely awful though and there are pages and pages of text I will come back to them as best I can but very busy phone wise this morning uh, Thomas is standing by first up Una good morning Hi Hi Neil Okay um, so you have the floor with regards to unidentified flying objects alien experimentation I think you're talking about is it? Well basically I've thought long and hard about this over the years listening to different commentaries uh, on you know, where are the aliens and when are they coming and when will they visit us? And, you know, I've come to the conclusion basically that, yeah, there are aliens, even though there's no more evidence for them as there is for gods, different people's gods, and uh, that we are a result of an experiment by them that went badly wrong a long, long time ago and that they really have no interest in revisiting us especially by the way, you know, they would have knowledge of the way we behave towards each other. They would have knowledge of the way we murder each other's children in war uh, and put old people and women through wars. And, you know, the way we treat our environment, the animals. I mean, why would they want to revisit us? Why would they want to visit us at all? Wars, famine, cruelty, persecution. So you think that they've taken a look at us and said, "We'll we'll we'll steer well clear of them. I'd say we're on, we're top of their, their warning list of staying well clear of. And we're constantly, we have some inner knowledge of some thing out there coming to rescue us. And we're constantly looking for it. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think we're going to have to just get on with it here and get along with each other. I think that, the, uh, I the think that most people actually would be in fear of what we deem as aliens, not looking for them to come and save us. Our fear is that if they are there and are coming, they were coming to destroy us, no? Yeah, but that's our well, perception of is. humans. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that's, the way we, that's the way we treat each other, and that's probably the way we treat them if they did come, you know? Then uh, can I, not, so can I, I ask you just... No, I mean, listen, I hear what you're saying, but would it not make more sense for them to give us a warning to cop ourselves on? If they are that they much care. more developed... They don't care. We're just spare parts, you know. I believe sometimes when people go missing on this earth as well, that maybe they've been taken for spare parts. We're, we're of no consequence to them. But because we have these perceptions, it's like putting our perceptions of how an animal feels onto the animals, you know, and saying, well, the dog must feel like this because he's doing this, or the monkey must feel like that because they're doing that. You know, 
we're trying to put our perceptions onto other beings and, you know, they don't actually care, you know, and the dog doesn't actually care unless it gets onto, you know, as long as it's getting fed. It doesn't matter who's feeding yeah, okay. it. Okay, so you, you also believe that some disappearances in the past that have been unsolved was actual aliens kidnapping or taking people or... Spare parts. Maybe exper- experimentation. It could be ex- uh, conducting similar experiments on in other galaxies and maybe they're just, you know, taking us as spare parts because, you know, people disappear. They never come back. There's no evidence. And, um, yeah, I think that that could be it, you know, mm. part of it. Mm. Well, you know, that's basically... I just think we're an experiment gone badly wrong. And uh, this yearning for uh, gods and for... So why do they fly so close then? Uh, You know, I mean, that can happen anywhere, you know. I mean, they maybe just diverge off the path, but they're certainly not showing any interest in in contacting uh, anybody on Earth or any people or any... You know, they might come down out of curiosity for a look every now and again. (laughs) You know, the way you would if you were going on your holidays... Uh, to a foreign country, you might, you know, say, oh, I'll, I'll have a look D- there and see what's D- going on. The odd detour then, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. All I right. I think they're, you know, okay. Fascinating. Thank you for that. Thomas. Hi, Niall. Her, her they, they'd her, steer yeah. well clear of us then. That's what she's saying. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm that open-minded now to, to buy into that theory, but everybody's entitled to their own belief. I mean, certainly it, it, it's, um, it's, it's amazing. You know, I mean, the possibilities of, uh, especially when you consider the size of the universe. Um, now, again, you know, things like when you'd hear about the, the USS, the Nimitz encounters and all of that, I've read those, you know, about the pilot's um, observations of flying things that they've, you know, um, that they've witnessed from the Pilots have said that, and a couple of astronauts have said it as well. Yeah, that's right. And and again, I'd have an open mind. I'd never just... um, But but a lot of people confuse what they see. I know you say you witness something. People confuse it with satellites. They confuse it with helicopters. They confuse it with domestic drones. They confuse it with meteors, all sorts of things. What did you see? Well, I, I totally agree there. And, you know, I'm well up in aviation matters in terms of, um, you know, being, you know, a huge aviation previous three years. And I know what drones and aircraft and, and um, you know, I'm, I'd be familiar now with dark night skies, especially living here in Cove. And you'd see them out in Marlowe sometimes in the dark of the night sky if you're out walking that What way. do you see? And you um, well, you'd see the international space, um, sorry, um, satellite going across, and but that's that's a that's a kind of a light that's far up, you know. But you can still see it; it's, it's brighter than the heavenly body of a star, or such. But what I saw last night, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It was just amazing because um, I was washing my hands out in the kitchen, and I live in Cove, as I say, I live near the swimming pool in Cove, and. Um, across the sky, down behind the swimming pool with it, when I say down behind the swimming pool travelling in that general direction to the sky it, um, it was like the brightest like, the only way I could describe it was like the brightest headlight um, like for, like looking at it, you know, it was akin to looking at now, you know those high um, floodlights that you see in these uh, soccer pitches, you okay, know? Okay, yeah, yeah. Single light. At a distance, yeah but it was amazingly bright and it travelled and now it didn't travel at a, now you see it, now you don't, it was traveling at a fair a speed. It must have been quite high up, I'd imagine. And it, uh, it traveled from the right over to the left until it was obscured. My vision was obscured by trees. And it's a plane. See it. No, it certainly wasn't a plane, uh, Neil, because um, I'm well, you'd be uh, well used to seeing the um, 
you know, the marker lights and planes. This was this was very, very bright and it was just a total sphere of light. There was no trail behind us in terms of something like debris because that was the first thing that came to mind was had something fallen off an aircraft or so forth. But I'd be, well, this held a track and this didn't have any trail behind it, didn't have any smoke. So it's a big kind of. singular light. Yes. Uh, like, I know that e- I just have been sent a photograph of Elon Musk's Starlink, which is the series of satellites. It's like a long line of lights. That was over Cove last night. And you're talking about uh, easily 15, 20 lights in a row there, you know? You're, each of those oh, yeah, is a no, satellite. This was just one singular light. And this was at nine o'clock, so it was still relatively bright. Normally, now to see something, you know, you'd have to have a fair degree of darkness to really spot things. But this was very intense. And it, um, it was a singular light, not a series of lights. And, it, uh, and you know, it was quite visible. I mean, I was actually looking and I was thinking to myself, is, am I really seeing this, you know? And uh, it was fascinating. I've never seen anything like it in my life. So it was obviously my first, uh, I mean, as I say, I'm all used to matter of like these weather balloons and aircraft to go up and all of these things. And um, What do you think it was? Satellites. I have no idea. Um, I'd have an open mind, certainly. I mean, it'd be very hard to draw a conclusion exactly as to what it was, but it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. All right, my friend. And that was last night uh, in last Cove night, over yeah, the harbour. Okay. Cove. And I thought what I'd do was um, i checked the local news last night to see had anybody else uh, spotted anything in East Cork because it was going over towards Middleton direction. It had come across the harbour region and it looked like it was travelling over towards Carrigtool, Middleton direction. You know, imagine we um, should be air traffic control would have a lot of stories to tell, wouldn't they, with stuff that appears well, on do, their yeah. screens. And I mean, there was a case there a few years ago where a few Virgin Atlantic pilots flying across... Uh, the route there did take across the south coast um, some 747 pilots had spotted uh, lights and orbs and things like that so yeah there's, it's certainly it's interesting but uh, this was no weather balloon no uh, no, no meteorite or no no um, mm. meteorite coming through because you know okay. they're, they're usually distinct streaks but these this was this was really really amazing and I'm sure somebody else surely in, in East Cork should have most likely should have seen this just the intensity of it you know Okay keep, keep texting if you the people have stories to share in that regard. Thank you, Thomas. Text 0868 Free Food Friday today for Oak Fire Pizza. We'll have three winners. Four large pizzas each with two sides and you'll have a good big pizza feast. Morning to everybody at KRC Competitions. Looking for food today. Cork-based company. Um, and also everybody at Bespoke Hairdressing working very hard in Carrick Tool. Shirley Beauty and Laser Clinic in Glanmire. Would love to treat the team all back this week. Unique fit out in Glanmire. Morning to all of you guys. Um, what else have I got for you? St. Vincent's Residential Care are listening. Macklock Locksmiths on the old Blackrock Road. Dublin Providers on the Kinsale Road. Little Hands Childcare in Blackpool. Two hard-working mums, one of which is pregnant and craving pizza. They also have six kids, four under the age of four between them. So there'd be no problem scoffing all of that. Gavin Healy in Clean Room 2 at Stryker and all of the gang in Stryker and Tullagreen. Good morning. Cladera in Kilcully, Cheeky Cherubs in Ballancolig. Amari, Ireland on the Tremor Road. To everybody at uh, Ducloyne Industrial Estate, particularly the workers at Caltech, Alter Domus in the Airport Business Park, Northside Tires, Hobart AV Pound in Mallow, Doyle Shipping, Bond Department of Irish Distillers, working hard, probably extra hard now with things opening up across the summer. Tiny Tots crash in Killa. And one or two shout-outs for families as well, including Kira in Clonakilty. Would be nice to relax of an evening with the kids with pizza. Keep those shout-outs coming. Text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106. 
Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Imro Music Station of the Year, Cork's Red FM. Free Food Friday, you have uh, 15, 20 minutes now to text who you are and where you are. We'll do another blast of shout-outs. Three winners, text 086-8104-106, who you are and where you are, and we will send each winner three winners in total, four large pizzas and sides, and you can use the vouchers then at the Oakfarb Pizza branches, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, Gill Abbey Street, and they're adding a new string to their bow soon, a new location coming soon to the East Village in Douglas. Lines open, texts as well. A lot of texts from yesterday. I'll get back to the calls in a few minutes' time. I'm sorry now, but if you send your child to a Catholic school, knowing it's a Catholic school, the child should be doing religion full stop. My kids were christened and are going to a Catholic school, so I know they're being taught prayers, I know they're being taught about God and they're going to Mass. I fully support that because it was my choice to send them there. Uh, They will make their Holy Communion and Confirmation because they are in a Catholic school full stop. If people don't want their children to be part of that, well, send them to an Educate Together school where no religion is taught. You're not saying anything, though, about some of the teachings within the schools that have nothing to do with, um, you know, religious beliefs, but it has more to do with people being happy people being loved, family units that are different, uh, and issues like that. Uh, Kids in in junior infants are being taught about girls and boys' different body parts. In junior infants, my son, who's five, came home a few months ago talking about girls' parts and boys' parts. He said his teacher was teaching them that they have their own private areas and that nobody should ever touch them because it's wrong. I totally agree with this being taught to young kids even at the age of five. Uh, The way we behave and conduct ourselves is all based on our religion. Religions are groups. If you choose, it's your choice if you choose to be part of. Each has their own terms, rules, etc. As a Christian, adhering to the Ten Commandments. If we all did, you wouldn't have any bad people at all if everybody followed the Ten Commandments. There's talk of a report going to be released next month in the US government, more or less admitting that UFOs are real, Neil, how are the religious nuts going to take that on board? Uh, if we have a super advanced civilization visiting Earth, who is the aliens god, I wonder? Well, I can't wait if that is true as to exactly what the US government is going to release. What information? That'll be amazing if and when they do. And they say it's next month. So we'll wait and see. Jason, good morning. Good morning, Neil. All of, this, all of this activity in the skies over East Cork, right? A lot of calls yes. from people, the likes of you, others down Photo Road yesterday, Carrick Tool, Middleton, Yall. What's going on? I mean, it's probably shooting stars. Well, what I saw yesterday evening, I thought it was a shooting star at first, but then I was confused. I thought it might have been an actual flare. I was down by Hole Bowl and Island Recreational Park, beautiful yeah. part of the world. Right, okay. And basically, I was looking at the the seascape. There was some animals in the water and whatnot. And uh, I looked up, and there was it was like a flare going from left to right. It was bright white, like a tungsten white, and then it just went orange, and then disappeared. So I was assuming it might be some kind of space junk or something of some some nature coming back to to work. That's my only. And and if it were, would it be zigging and zagging like that, do you think? Unless there were parts um, breaking off it. Yeah, I think I think there was, it was kind of splitting up all right. I don't think it was zigging and zagging per se. I think it was... Could it have been... A, do you think it was a satellite disintegrating? Do you know? That's my impression, yeah. That is my impression. 
And um, it was just a bit strange because it was still bright and I never saw a shooting star when it was still bright, if you know what I mean. And did whatever it was land at sea, do you think, or, or what? I honestly haven't a clue. I, was, uh, I really wouldn't know. I mean, it might have just burnt up and disintegrated, you know. And because it was literally seconds, but it, it seemed to last longer than a shooting star. A shooting okay. star. Okay. So when you were down Hall Boland Island Park, Owen was on the on the photo road. Is that right, Owen? Yeah, it was, yeah. And is, that, is, is what Jason's describing similar to what you saw? That seems to be exactly the case. Just after nine o'clock like available to the evening. It looked like a shooting star at first, like you said. But then all of a sudden, like, there was... It, at first, it looked like a trail behind it, but then, as it kind of went over Carrie Tool, it just went as a, a sphere and then just disappeared. Yeah, that's exactly... The, I'd say we were looking at the same thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They say that so, everything has an explanation, though, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was just weird. weird. I, at first, I thought it was a shooting star, but then, you know, I, after thinking about it, it, just, it looked weird, like... All yeah, right. Okay. A lot of activity in East Cork. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Jason. Uh, th- we were talking earlier on this morning uh, with a caller on air who was talking about a Virgin uh, pilot in a plane off the Irish coast. And that was referencing a story back in 2018 where the Irish Aviation Authority ended up investigating reports of bright lights and UFOs off the southwest of Ireland. Uh, it was early in the morning, on a Friday morning, a British Airway pilot, pilot on a flight named um, Speedbird 94 that was the flight code name, contacted Shannon and she wanted to know if there was military exercises in the area because she said something was moving so fast. Air traffic said there was no exercises in the area. And then another pilot um, also piped in, which was the pilot of uh, another plane. It was a Virgin plane joined in and suggested it might be a meteorite, a meteor or another object re-entering the Earth's atmosphere. Um, The pilot um, on the first flight, the British Airways flight, was worried Uh, because the object came up alongside the left side of the aircraft, she said, and then it veered rapidly northwards. Uh, One pilot described the speed as astronomical. The pilot on board the uh, Virgin plane said it was like two bright lights, one to the right um, of the plane, which climbed away at speed. He said the speed was astronomical, like Mach 2, and that's twice the speed of sound. Actually, there is some, some audio um, that was released then of the conversation involving those pilots. It's only about 30 seconds long. Uh, Sound speaker 94. Go ahead. Get to uh, come up on our left hand side and then rapidly veer to the north. Uh, it's so bright light and then it's just disappeared at a very high speed. I'm still just wondering. Uh, the Virgin 76 uh, also saw that in our 11 o'clock position. Uh, two bright lights. Roger that copy, thank you. Glad it wasn't just me. Uh, Virgin 76, I saw uh, two bright lights at 11 o'clock seem to um, back over to the right and then uh, climb away at, um, at speed, at least from our perspective. Okay, we're passing that on there, thank you. Yeah, so that's two different pilots talking to Irish aviation authorities, one in a British Airways pilot, the other a Virgin uh, pilot. Astronomical speed like Mach 2. Lines open, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. 104 Tony, good morning. Morning, how are you? The late, late show years ago did what? Yeah, there was a, this guy. He was French, and he was driving along the massive central in France. You know, it's it's a high area in France that has dormant volcanoes. Right. But his car stopped, and he was abducted by a, a UFO, and they took him to this planet. Now, some of it is funny, but 
the truth of the fact is, is, is quite serious. They took him to a planet where the population was 5 million. They never increased the population, even though uh, sexual activity was on the planet. But if they wanted to reproduce, it was done by cloning. So the audience got into a fit of laughing, and he said that the planet Earth will develop cloning at some stage because this, these aliens had it. But he, he, just, he, he said that he left on a Tuesday, we'd say, at 4 o'clock. And when they returned them back to, to, to the massive central, it was the same Tuesday at the same time. And he was missing for weeks. Weeks. Right? But the, 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 uh, the, the, the audience and, and gay, they were, they were hilarious. But you know what I mean? Look what happened. They did do cloning. Dolly, the sheep, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, we've moved on. We've moved on from those days, without a doubt, yeah. in many different medical so the, ways. The, the, the second story... But what, what did, he, did he say? I mean, was he only brought on so that people would laugh at him, is it? I, I, I don't know, but he was after writing a book or something. And did he say what he did when he was on this planet of five million people? Uh, no, basically, he said basically it was just an exploration that they brought him up there for. Tests, is it? No, an exploration. They left him explore the planet. Did he talk about whether he was able to communicate with them or anything? N- no, he he, he kind of he, he he got a bit upset when they started laughing at, yeah, at him, and he yeah. kind of shut down information. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you they know, did they it, feel that he, he was... might have been unwell? Is it? Well, well, I'd say we're making a mockery of him. I'm sure everything he said came to pass, especially with the cloning. Well, only the cloning. I mean, the rest of it, yeah, though. The, you know, yeah, a guy who says... He, he, yeah, but he said that basically uh, that, that, um, that, that there was no... Oh, yeah, there was no cancer on the planet. No such thing as cancer or disease. And that they lived to a long age, but when they died, the uh, tissue was taken from their body and they were, they were recloned. Right. So they did have sex, but not for babies. No. Um, did he describe no. what they looked like? Yeah, they were uh, they were a grey and a black and a dark black coloured people. He said, but their their skin was leathery with big black eyes. You see, he could be just making it up, you know. But that I mean, was a no... long, long time. I mean, how would you know about cloning? I mean, we didn't even know about cloning in those days. And did they laugh at him when he spoke about? He probably oh, used yeah. a different word to cloning, yeah. but they laughed at that concept. Yeah. All right. And Gay, Gay found it very funny. No, I've got a friend in Hastings, South Dakota. He doesn't call him, he doesn't like to be called a Sioux. He likes to be called a Lakota, right? Yeah. And they, they still go into the sweat lodges. And he said, well, in the, when, it, when they're in the sweat lodges with the elders, he said, the elders go back to their elders and they talk about the people from the sky landing in, in, in Dakota. No, another question is Amazing. as well, Neil. Have you ever been to the Yucatan? No, the Yucatan. Right. Yeah, the Yucatan. Well, basically, you've got Chichen Itza and you've got a place called Tulum where the old temples of the Mayans are. Right. And there are drawings on the walls of, of these temples that are exactly the same as, as the drawings on the pyramids in Egypt. And they're the very same UFOs and ETs. Yeah, there are and cave drawings. There are cave drawings, supposedly, of alien crafts, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, but the Australian Aborigines are the same in their caves. In, that, that, in Australia, they're the same. Like, there has to be something else. Out there. But why didn't they ever land? Why don't they communicate with us? Why aren't we doing business with them? I'd say, no, to be honest with you, to put a big question mark on religion. That's what I feel. I reckon that religion would be in turmoil. Christianity would be in turmoil. 
No, I mean, that's why you might bury UFOs and never release it. But why don't we ever get a visitation where they actually land and have a... But, they, but, but should they do? They make abductions, but I suppose they're choosing who they decide to abduct. Do you fancy it? Would you fancy it? Well, I, I definitely believe that there's something else out there. I'd I fancy it as long as they don't do tests on me. Well, yeah, but like, I mean, the, the, the advancement of these civilizations must be phenomenal. No, I don't know the guy there. He's a friend of mine, and he's living in Sonora in, in, uh, in Mexico. And he's, he, he actually, he's in the military in Mexico. But he, you know, these glasses that they can see through at night when they're doing raids. Yeah, yeah. He said, right. if you look into the sky at night, he says, with us, you'll you, you be taken back with what you'd say. Alien aircraft shooting at each other. Shooting? Yeah. Ah, would you go well? I'm telling you, that's what he said to me. If we look into the sky at night, he said, with those glasses, you'd be amazed at what you see. Amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cheers, Tony. Thanks so much. Um, okay, somebody's suggesting here uh, that uh, Emer says, there's no way that I would ever be abducted, particularly for testing. They'd be petrified if they did tests on your brain. They'd scuttle off back into their UFO and leg it. Well, thank you for that vote of confidence. You're probably right, though. John, good morning. Uh, morning, Neil. Um, back Sorry, to yeah. the 90s. Go ahead. What you see? Yeah, about 1990, Neil, I was taking a friend home there after, um, you know, a late night shift. And about, it was about three in the morning there around um, Umra Wood there, um, outside McCroom, you know, quote for target drive direction. Yeah. There was an orange disc, um, just the height of a tree, you know, in, in the forest, just, you know, it was actually brushing off the top of the, you know, going at high speed, like, you know, but it was pure orange, knee, like, you know. And, um, you know, it was petrifying, to be honest, like, but it, it just passed so fast, like, that, uh, you know, it was gone, you know, but just flying in a straight line, like, you know. How big? Just yeah, above thought, the top of the trees. How big? Yeah, like, you know, I, I suppose, like, to be now, you know, just like a disc, you know, I suppose, you know, if you've seen footage of them, it was, it was big enough, me, like, you know, a normal size, you know, of one. Like, I suppose, like, on Star Trek, down these ones, like, you know. So pretty massive, then. It was very big, nearly, yeah, but it was really going at atrocious rate, like, you know. Any sound? I could hear nothing, Neil, to be honest, like, you know. Um, but my friend was petrified, but I, like, I thought I was driving, watching the road, like, you know, so, um, you know, but, um, like, I would believe Neil in another dimension, at least, like, you know, um, so. What do you think you saw? I, I would say it was definitely UFO, like, of some sort, like, you know. Craft, you know, an it, actual craft. Yeah, it was a craft, like, it was flying so straight, Neil, like, you know, you know, there was no tail or anything on it, like, just pure orange. You know, pure orange. I don't know. I mean, what can I do? I mean, you know, you know, I, I think Boyle there in Roscommon, Neil, has got one of the high sightings in the world. Well, if there's a place called the Coomhalla Corridor down West Corkway. Did you ever hear of that? That's right. Yeah, that's quite correct. Yeah. It's a valley, an open valley, a massive big glacier valley where yeah. at some stage a massive glacier went to the sea from inland and drove this massive yeah. huge hole down the middle of a big long stretch, what they say is like, um, right, like a okay. landing platform, you know, that kind of thing, Coomhalla. Right, okay. That's what I heard yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, I um, you know, but I, I think uh, was it Robbie Williams saw one as well. He had a close encounter with one, and he kind of really got into um, study of UFOs and that thing. Do you, do you well, think? Like, do you think that like religion would be blown out of the water? All religions, um, particularly God in heaven. I, I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so anyway. Like you know. Yeah. Okay. And I think like the American. 
I suppose presidents, government, you know, throughout the years, I would say, have a lot of information that they're not releasing, you know. Well, we'll have to see if uh, there is some sort of an announcement that there will be information released. I don't know. I mean, this is what I'm being told. But for you, I regard you as being very lucky in that sense, that you saw, you, you saw something that is unexplained. Yes, yeah. You know, and in fact, I suppose Neil was so close as well, like, you know. Just over the height of the trees. Um, All right, nice one. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. Great online performance tomorrow night. A live performance by the Cork band Sparkle. Super, super duet. Check them out. They're online live tomorrow night from 9pm on all of their social media platforms. They were in touch with me this morning, the girls, and they said they can't wait to see everyone because it's been forever. So live performance by Sparkle. Uh, tomorrow night, 9 o'clock. Just Google them. You'll track them down on all the different social media channels. Check them out on Twitter and Instagram and what have you. And away you go. 9 o'clock tomorrow night online. Good luck, girls. Morning to Neil Kyohan, who will be 91 years young tomorrow. Happy birthday for the weekend. From all that know you, Neil, I hope you have a great weekend and that you're keeping well. Happy birthday for tomorrow. 91 years. Fair play to you. Also, a special good morning to Jeanette, who listens to the podcast on a daily basis. She heads out for her daily walk, likes walking down by the water, loves the sea, down around the Kinsale area in particular. So morning to Jeanette. I hope you're keeping well. Have a great weekend. Um, yesterday, it was yesterday, wasn't it, or was it the day before? I lose track of time. Keith was on the air and we were chatting with them about uh, living in certain areas of the north side where the ball playing, Wednesday, it was Wednesday, where the ball playing is just getting way too out of hand with the lads who are playing. He described it as like the Gaza Strip at one stage where families now, particularly elderly people, have had to put meshes up on their windows. Their cars are being damaged. Many people are being held prisoners in their own home. Uh, it's a green field and near it, of course, are soccer pitches where the lads won't play. I think he was primarily talking about the Kilnap Green area, uh, but he got quite... Um, I rate about it, particularly with regards to the amount of abuse that people have to put up with when they challenge the young fellas, and particularly the abuse that the young fellas give to the elderly. That prompted a lot of texts and calls as well. Sylvia standing by. First up, Katrina. Katrina, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? It was Wednesday, so okay. It was Wednesday, yeah. Now, I actually missed um, Keith on the radio because I had a few appointments um, myself. So it was actually the podcast afterwards that I I caught it on. But I was just absolutely gobsmacked, fuming. Like, the way he described those boys is absolutely ridiculous. There must be, there's four of them there, Neil. My son is one of them, right? And they're friends since primary school. And all the lads want to do is play ball. That's all they do. They're all inside home by six o'clock in the evening because they don't like hanging around the place. They're generally the most respectable, quietest boys you could ever come across. And how do you know he's talking about you or your area? Because it might, it, it, that's where my son plays is over there. That's where he's talking about. Okay. And um, do you see him when he's playing? I do. We 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 all kind of now we're we're all living around the area. We're all living on main roads, so that's why you know they don't have their own field to play in. Um, they're living close to there. The reason being is, I know he's saying there's pitches up the road and yeah. there's a park up the road and yeah. this and the other. One part that he's talking about is the fair field. And that's too far over the road from us where we can't keep an eye on them. So that's why they play over. They, they just want to play ball, right? The park above us, yes, they do go up there to play. But the reason why they've stopped playing up there is because now the weather is nice. People can get together even more. And the gangs of youth up there, they're just 
they're, they're too afraid to be up there, you know. I know we go up and check on them, but they're uncomfortable playing up there. Like, they just put... Um, and to be honest, Neil, and I don't like saying this word. You're just breaking up. Move around a bit. You move around a bit. Go Sorry, ahead. Neil. Can you, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I said, I don't like kind of saying this word, and it's not a word that I would put out very often, but he's actually the bully. He's actually the intimidator. I mean, those young fellas, they're 12, 13 years Keith of age. Keith is a lovely fella. He's a happy-go-lucky chap. He he's is. always in great form. He's a regular oh. contributor. I have great time for the man. He's telling me I, what he I sees. Understand, I understand that, Neil. But when you have young kids coming home crying over him, and they've done nothing wrong, wrong but playing ball. He's, I mean, he's he's saying that they're this, that, and the other. But yet, no, he was quick enough to come out there a couple of months back and ask them to push his car because his car broke down. If they were what he's saying they are, why would he come and ask them for help? And they more than willing, willingly done it for them. But what he about the harassment of the pensioners and the abuse of no name calling? And this is hand on my heart. I would put my car and my house on the line to say those four boys. They couldn't intimidate their shadows. They're not that. You're breaking up. I see. You're breaking up. I'll tell you what. Stay there, and I'll see if I can get a better line, or you can move around a bit. Sylvia, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Very well. Let's see if your line is better. Um, uh, so pick up on this conversation. You see, he said it yeah. was. Uh, he said it was up the Sunbeam Hill. The only hill I know in that area would be what we would have called no, Spangle right. Hill. Yeah, it's Spangle Hill. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, no, you need to turn the radio down behind you. I'll tell you what, I'll try and clean it up and come back to you in a couple of minutes' time. Um, and which line is better now, I wonder? Let's see if Sylvia's is better. Sylvia, are you okay? Can you hear me? I can hear you now, yeah. Okay, go ahead. All right, you're furious oh that he spoke about the boys in that way, but how yeah. do you know that they're not behaving that way? You're not I there. I live right across. Well, I am there all the time, Neil. And I live right across the road, 36 seconds away from it, Right. The boys don't even put their foot on the green and he's out there like a sergeant major parading around the place. Now, I'm not denying that the ball goes into the garden. I can't, I have told him to keep them to keep it low, but they are not over there abusing him, abusing the, pay, the, the, the people. They're not, they're not prisoners. They are good boys near. And we feel that we have to defend them in this way because they're being portrayed I think the guard is just give me a break. Seriously, like? They are good boys. They play ball. They eat, sleep, drink football. And he will tell you that. He will tell you so that. So why, why aren't they on the pitch then? Why aren't they in the green area of your housing they estate are, where people have had to put barriers and mesh up on their windows? Ah, sorry. There's one house over there that has mesh on its windows and that's up there long, long, long before the boys my son is Say that again, say that again. There was somebody talking to my ear. Why, are, why is there mesh on the glass? There's one house apparently over there and the boys have said this because I asked the boys about this mesh and there's one house over there that has that mesh on it long before they've ever started playing football. Now my son is over there playing football since he was knee high. Knee high. That's our green area. That's our field. We call it field. It's green. There's grass. There's trees. Do you live in the park? Pardon me? Do you live in the park? I'm right it's right a state me right across from it okay so you're in your housing estate in your park and your lads are playing ball on the grass and are you are they damaging cars are the cars are the cars constantly hitting off the ball hitting off people's cars the cars they probably hit off the tyres the cars there's nothing no there's one or two cars that can be there during the day there's nobody parking cars across the road 
that's he himself even said when he was trying to get the boys off the pitch, threatening them with the guards, threatening them with the council, that he'd park his car in the middle of the road as well, in the middle of the park just to stop them. He just does not want them playing over there. And if you go over, and actually one time, the last time I had a practice with him over there, because the minute he's out, Neil, we are out there. We are not parents who are turning a blind eye to the boys going out. Right. We are always on. We are, I know where he is and has my heart and on my mother's grave. I know when he's over there because when they are over there, we are all on alert to see is this man coming out doing bully boy tactics. And I have to say as well, Neil, he has never approached us. We have gone to him. And what have you he said to him? I have said to him that it's a public park, it's a public green, or, or sorry, green as he likes to call it, or field, and the boys are entitled to play there. Obviously, they have to show respect. Now he's on about the language. I'm, I'm sorry, but he, you have him painted in this light that is unbelievable. He has the most foul language that he portrays upon the boys that is not funny. And if the boys back answer him with that, well, you know something? They'll give him back what they're Well, getting. he's only saying he's interjecting on behalf of no, harassed no, pensioners. No, no. no, listen, it's half and half over there. And I have to actually, the last time he was out with the boys, one of those pensioners, as you call them, lovely person, came over and said, are they applauding the boys playing? And I said, on the contrary, they don't want them there at all. They just, especially himself, and he said, they don't want them But this would be solved, wouldn't it? Boys. Sylvia, hang on a second. Let's see if that's... Let's see. I'd love you to meet them. Okay, they hold on. Katrina, can you hear me now? Hi, Amelia. Is what's that better? The, yeah, what's the problem with the soccer pitch? You see, the... the the Fairfield soccer pitch that, that he was talking about, it's too far away, right? We can't just pop over and have a check on them, which we all do. They're 12 and 13 years of age. We shouldn't have to do that, but we do because they're so quiet. They just, we don't like, they don't like trouble. Um, and they haven't been over in that field since February. Would there be right? trouble there if they played ball there? They're, they're, like, you see, there's kind of gangs and stuff that would start, like, because the weather is nicer, because people now can get out together. Okay. Um, and especially the park, that's the Farnry Park that's up there. Like, I know he's saying that there was no needles up there. I have a friend of mine that had a, a, a toddler playing up there when they were, they were in school, and yeah. she stopped the toddler going up there last year because she did find a needle on one of the slides. So on the basis but of needles the, being found on the slides and drugs being an issue, you want them closer to home, yeah. yeah. I do, and, like, if, if they're not the, the sort of young fellas, Neil, that cause antisocial behaviour. Like, a hand in my heart, if you met them, you would know that. I mean, like, if I saw on the, on the, the news there recently um, with Dublin, you were talking about it this morning, about the antisocial behaviour with the teenagers and up in the, the railway station. By God, if I thought my son was like that, he wouldn't be outside the door. If yeah, but, but pe- some parents are liable to say that not my Johnny like that. They never put a step out. No, and you, and Neil, hand in my hand, know. and I can honestly say this, they're not like that. I mean, one of those boys, I know him since he was in, in preschool, and he'd knock on my door for my son, and he doesn't even ask for my son because he's so quiet. I just know he's, you know he's looking for him. He wouldn't even say, is my son right. there? What did he say? You what know? did Keith say? Let me have a listen. What did he say? Do you know what, Lonely? You can't say not the kids anymore. I went out there, so I said, that's it, I have enough. If you were living here, you wouldn't pull up with it. Look, I have great time, that's a, for people playing soccer. As I said, I used to look after them, right? But not I mean, if they're it, cursing and shouting and abusing people, no. I need they were yeah. abusing them. I need that was grand, right? They were waiting for injections here, that's what they the all the neighbours, right? And there's the kids over, and they're knocking at the doors. And this. and I said to one of the mothers, I said, come here, we're all in lockdown. I think they're fine, they're only kids. 
the kids the 14 years of age Neil okay does are they knocking on pensioners doors because the ball's gone into the back garden or something girls I wonder what's that about they like Neil there's four of them there right now there might be other young fellas that would come up and play in the area. I don't know. I'm just talking about the four that I know he's he have a problem with because he's constantly out to, the, out to them. I mean, if you, like, they're all in soccer clubs. They're all in, in, in football clubs. If you rang any of the neighbours, any of their teachers, any of their soccer coaches and asked them what way those boys were, there's not one person would say a bad word about them because they generally are... Like, I would rather my son be out there at 13 years of age playing ball and being oh, home. Oh, for God's sake, absolutely. They're, they're a vulnerable age. And as you I said, you it. need to protect them from drugs or the, uh, getting yeah. involved with dealers. Or They live for football, that, right? That's when all they do. They live for football, Neil. That's all they want. Like, my son is 13 years of age and he just, since he's three or four years of age since he started picking up a, a soccer ball, all he wants to do is become a professional soccer. Yeah. He, if, he's not, if he's not playing soccer outside, he's watching it on his phone or he's watching it on the, okay. on the television. Okay. And that's all they want to do is just play. And if he's the only, like, he is the bully over there, Neil. And I'm sorry, now, I know you have great times for him, but when it's your child and he, there, he's physically and, well, not physically, I won't say physically, but he's intimidating them and mentally abusing them. I mean, like, my son has come home with anxiety over that man because of the names and the way and the aggressive that comes out of him. In, prote- in protection of the boy. in protection of the residents, many of them that are elderly, who would say, uh, who feel as if they're in fear and no constantly being harassed. Um, they you- have no... One of, the, okay. one of the other parents went okay. over and knocked on nearly every one of those doors and asked them, do they have a problem with those, the, the boys playing there, the four boys playing there, playing soccer? And I'd say 90% of them, I don't know where he's going, but 90% okay. of them okay. said they have no problem. Yes, with and I have to say, a lot of mums, uh, Emer's telling me here now, that a lot of mums have been on as well, and they, they say that what Sylvia and... Uh, Indeed, what Katrina said is truthful and accurate. They're good lads. I don't know. Here, I'm in the middle. I'm hearing yeah. both sides of the story. I mean, you know. All you have to do, Neil, is meet them and you, you can make up your own mind. They, you, you'd see it for, for yourself. All right. Well, and indeed. You'd see it for yourself. Thank you for taking the calls. We're not the sort of parents that would say, oh, our son didn't do this or our son is like that. No, there's no child and angel. That's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is what he said about those four innocent, respectable boys was just uncalled for. Is it only the four? Is it only four? Not. There's 14. only the four of them. Four is four. There's only the four of them. Are there others, though? There might be the odd one. I'm not sure. There might be the odd one or two that come in, and then they they know that they're not they're not nice fellas, but they they play with them or they go off them. But if the, the, if these four boys could go over there on their own and wouldn't even put the foot so on the screen, maybe he's not talking he about them. your lads at all. Maybe it's another group of lads. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. no. All right. Okay. Okay. In, def- in defense of your sons, thank you both. Thank you, Sylvia. Thank, thank you, Katrina. You so Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 104 uh, Keith says, I will stand over exactly what I said on the air on Wednesday. Uh, I would say that they are incorrect in what they are saying. Full stop with regards to Keith. But Diana, good morning. Hi, good morning to you. Listen, I just want to say, um, in what those ladies said, there was no one approached us. My parents, my parents spoke to one of the fathers, who was a gentleman, and tried to explain to him that we don't get peace from them. Now, I know they're children, but they're elderly. I'm at work all day long. I like to come home and not have screaming and shouting. They do use language. I can understand that. At one another. You've heard this. I'm living here. I'm living here 51 years. They have the green tore up with their football boots. 
the grass was gone. Because they said, and then when it was a mucky day, they'd be sliding up and down the pitch. Yeah, but listen, that, when I was a young flooder, we did that. Until, until, the, co- until the corporation planted bloody trees. Hang on a second. Until the corporation yeah. planted bloody trees and we couldn't play soccer on the green anymore. Oh, but it, yeah. got, it got torn up and it got mucky, yeah. but well, it's no, playing no, not ball. To the, not to the extreme that this is. The, the green was bald. It is bald because they're wearing football boots in the green. But what harm if it's bald? What's wrong with that? I, well, I'd like to look out and look at my green and say it's nice and tidy and so they look like a, a dumping site. But they have beaten the balls. I've, we had to repaint our walls. They've hit my car. My car has mucky footprint, paw prints on them for diving under my car to get their ball. Do you know what I mean? I know, I, but... There's a, and but is, there, is there anything it's to only get... five minutes up the hill. It's only five minutes. You're telling me they can't go up the hill five minutes. Parent, their parents don't feel safe. They say there are drugs everywhere. Um, yeah. They need to keep them closer. They're a vulnerable age. We have to protect them from drugs and drug dealers. Um, but, well, you they're know, leaving their rubbish here in the green. They're, leaving their, you know, they're not cleaning up after themselves. What do they leave? Dad. What do they leave behind? They leave whatever they're drinking. Lucasade bottles or these sport drinks or whatever or whatever they happen to be snacking on. You know, because my father goes out and cleans up the green after them. I know, I know, I know. That's you know a dose. I mean? no, they could be lovely boys. I don't know. But so far, I haven't been impressed by them. Now, they haven't come. And there's another mother's came to the door. I wouldn't appreciate it someone come to my door anyway. They are, they're, they're disruptive. They're very, I mean, do they have to be there every evening? I'd like to come home from work and have maybe a bit of peace. Well, how are you and not have how are you not having peace? How, how are you not having peace? Is it like that? Because they're they're noisy. They're, are they saying anything to you? Green. Do you ever say to them to please go home or? Yes, ever? repeatedly. And they say, "Well, no, we've the right to be here. And if they're in my green, if they're in my my garden, taking away the ball, you say unto them, I'm only getting my ball.' But this is all the time. You yeah, know? yeah. You you don't think you're overly." Um, Spending too much time thinking about it, watching out for it, anticipating it. I'm not watching it. out for it because I try and ignore them. That's what I mean. Yeah. I'm trying to ignore them, but how can you ignore football prints on your walls that you have to repaint or filthy, mucky prints on your car because they're under your car? Or they're hitting the... I mean, one of the neighbours had to put up an iron cage because they were beating the ball off his, his car, his front window constantly. So there is a and window cage. Is there, there was one a... of them was sitting on his car. Someone was in his car. So is, is, there are windows then meshed, are there? Oh, there is, yes, yes, there is, yeah. More than one? No, only one gentleman. Because, because of them. He has no wall to break the, if the ball hits it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, isn't that not right in this day and age that you have to put a cage up on your, on your window because the ball is going to be hitting off constantly? And has any of you said anything to the parents of these lads? Well, they have, they've been in the green arguing with us. Now, I haven't been arguing. My father, no, my father didn't argue. He tried to talk to them. What, um, did, what did he say? They said, what he did was he... told it could be worse. They could be on drugs. How could you answer that question then? Like, they could be doing worse. They could be on drugs. Like years ago, kids always played on the greens. Oh, of course, I grew up. There. I've lived in this green all my life, which is fifty-one years, and all the neighbours are on my who are gone now, but I'm still here, and we played in the green. But you, you, you took notice of your ball. You're not, you're not, you're not in the soccer pitch. You don't kick the ball to the extent they're kicking it. If they had a bit of Respect, you know what I mean? They're going home traumatised and upset. Oh, they're hardly traumatised, there's they, no one talks they, to them. They said I, the I people are screaming at them. I said, would you take the ball out of the garden? 
But if they're traumatised, it isn't from us. All right, okay. You know, because I, that is not the kind of person I am, and neither is my father, because my father was a soccer referee for 40 years, so he knows how to treat young young people. Okay, okay. You in know? De- in defence of... I just I want, to, I want to explain to that... In defence of those that are living They're not there. getting traumatised from this house. I've never spoken to them, so... so you saying what Keith said on the air is accurate? Oh, it's, he is. They, they okay. have... They, they're, they're... Like, they're... Like they're 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 here all the time for for, for they're here so long. They I just think I know it's all green. right for me to say because I don't have to experience it. But if we were chatting here about kids out in the green shooting up, if we were chatting about kids out in the green drinking cans of beer from, from I can slabs, understand what you're saying. I understand. I think you're probably saying fires in the middle of proportion. Oh, I know. But when a person has to put a cage up on their window okay. because they're afraid their their windows are going to be broken. There's something wrong. Okay, thank you for that, Diana. Okay, I imagine I'll get more texts on that. Text 0868104106. Uh, you can also send me an email over the weekend if you so choose on that or any other subject that may be on your mind. Email neil at redfm.ie. Our final blast of shout-outs. Free Food Friday today. Everybody at O'Donovan's Pharmacy in Balafihan. Good morning to you all. Everybody in Barter's Travel, including Linda, who's working and listening this morning. St. Teresa's uh, Chemotherapy Day War. Morning to all of the staff and all of the patients there in the Mercy Hospital. Um, I imagine you're having a, a tough time of it these days. I know they've moved into a brand new location in the Lee Clinic this week. Big effort getting everything moved and running smoothly. So well done to you all there. Slide Glide. Contemporary Kitchens on the Southside Industrial Estate are listening. Everybody, my son, Lincoln Parsons. What a great name. Special treat today. It's his 12th birthday and uh, they couldn't have a birthday last year and he can't have one this year. Well, you can meet up at the park at the weekend maybe for an outdoor get-together. Sub-Zero Cryotherapy on the Grand Parade are listening. Everybody at PMC Commercials in Ballinhasig. Enable Ireland Adult Services. Cork Drains are listening. So is everybody at Ashgrove Waste Disposal. VMware. John Gray Auto Services in Middleton. Island Auto Solutions in Little Island and they would share the pizza with Desi's Tires. Uh, Jay Barter did that one already. Uh, Cupcake Cottage on Anglesey Street, Smurf at Kappa, REA O'Donoghue Clark Auctioneers and Valuers, Henderson Motors, Powlett Off Industrial Estate, everybody working there. Uh, Bennett's of East Cork, the Bossar Company um, and the Beecher family in Formoy. We'll do uh, some winners, three winners in about five minutes time. We'll three different winners, four pizzas each with sides. Now, I just want to have a chat with Gary because he has a lovely story to tell. I was reading a beautiful email from him uh, earlier in the week. I had hoped to get to him yesterday. I ran out of time. But he said to me, I'm writing today because I want to recognise someone very special. He says she won't thank him for it, but it's his ma'am. And it's great to say kind things about our mams when they're around to hear us saying nice things about our mams. I didn't say half enough when my mam was around. So, Gary, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How's it going? Why did Every you send me? You? Thank you for waiting. I appreciate you being so patient. Why did you, why did you put pen to paper in the first place? Um, I, I look, I live in Dublin, and uh, I, I suppose I'm coming to you from a lovely morning here today. And uh, Wednesday morning I went into work, and it was my mom's birthday, and I, I was thinking, how can I, what can I do? Um, when they come to visit us here in Dublin, which was quite a while back, uh, they'd always put on uh, Red FM. And my, mother, my, my wife would get a great kick out of listening to the Cork accents. So we know they're huge fans of yours. And I thought I'd write a quick mail and hopefully you'd say happy birthday to her. And yet here I am, I'm speaking now and live on the radio. Yeah. I, I, could have read, I could have read the entire email out where you say, uh, like all Irish mothers, my mum is humble and we view her as almost bulletproof. It was her birthday Wednesday, she was 74 years young um, and she deserves some positive mentions. 
She she a non-drinker, non-smoker, had tough times of it though, particularly when she was turning her into her sixties, wasn't it? She was unwell. Yeah, look, she's a she's an extraordinary woman, and um, when she was sixty, which uh, it's actually fourteen years ago, um, I remember we had a party for her back in the days when you could have parties, and my dad said, "Say a few words." So I did a bit of a speech, and I remember you know talking about her, and you know she's known, she's got two names. She's known as Mary Murphy and lovingly known as Mary Mack as well. But a couple of weeks later, she got very sick for a few months and we didn't know what was wrong. And she, uh, we found out later it was MS. So since then, she's been dealing with MS. Um, she then uh, got cancer uh, in uh, numerous places in the body, which she's fought back with. She's got diabetes now in the last year. And would you believe... Um, in January, early January, herself and my dad got COVID-19 uh, and they got very sick did from they, that as well. Did it hit them hard? Very hard. Uh, I must admit, you know, here in Dublin, I, I, was, I felt so uh, isolated and you did. distant because yeah. I know they were, they were so sick. We, Particularly my dad, actually, I, I, I don't want to kind of hype it up too much, but I was I felt it was touch and go for a couple of days. And Were both of them admitted? Again. Were both of them admitted? Um, but funny enough, again, my mom, you know, being the woman she is, she bounced back quicker. <laughs> and my dad was brought to the hospital, but he was, he was left home. And um, they pushed the uh, more liquids and food and so on. But he, and he's, thankfully, he's recovered too. And you couldn't travel, of course. So you're watching no, all I this in the I couldn't travel. Distance. So I'm very lucky. I have two great brothers and, and uh, close family. My aunts and my uncles and the neighbours, they were they were on hand to help. But yeah, I, there was a couple of times I thought I'd get in the car and just drive down. I know, I, I know. And you could you could on compassionate grounds if needs be. I hear yeah. tell she's a very glamorous woman and can't wait to get out and dress up again. Is it that right? Yeah, look, she. I think she's got a, a walking stick that suits every outfit. Um, <laughs> and if you saw her walking down the road, look, she does look very glamorous. You know, she likes her style. And... Uh, yeah, she's uh, she's great. She's absolutely great. And I suppose the one thing I'd like to say, I have a son, two sons, and my brother's got a, a daughter. And for me, she's a real role model. In a time where people think footballers are role models and famous people are role models, they're not. People like my mom, who uh, you know, are so positive and can uh, fight yeah. back against yeah. illness. And over get up and over again. Get up, That's dust yourself down. Yeah. And I'm, I'm delighted that my, my kids and my niece know her so well, because... Uh, whenever she goes, hopefully many years from now, they'll never forget that. Uh, but I hear that you'll never come into any 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 trouble or problems because she's forever she's forever saying novenas, prayers, lighting candles to you and yeah. all of the grandchildren. Is that right? Yeah, I remember uh, I, before I got married. I think she used to do novenas to make sure myself and my brothers got married ourselves. You know, <laughs> should we do novenas? Way, so, yeah. Should we do novenas yeah. for your junior search or leaving cert? <laughs> You to get married, no Venus that you'll have children, no Venus that you won't yeah, get divorced. Yeah. And look, her faith is very strong, and, and that's another thing that is worth mentioning. I suppose the biggest thing that ever happened, Neil, is she lost her brother very tragically in an accident three years ago. And even though all the illnesses she went through, um, Kevin, it hit her the worst, the most. I hit all of us, but particularly for her, she was devastated and. And she needed a bit of counselling to come through it, and she was quite open about it. But I'm glad she did that because, no, again, yeah. she's she, she's there again, fighting, and uh, I'm very proud of her. Well, isn't it much better now that I didn't read out that email that you did it in five minutes yourself? Where does she live? 
Dublin Hill. We Cork. play. We play our song. Yeah. Will we? What? What kind of music does she like? Who does she? Would she like to hear right now? Do you think? She's a big uh, Joe Dolan fan, but she likes all music. So any Joe Dolan tune, I'd say, would get her smiling. And uh, can I just say a quick thanks to my dad too? He's been a rock for her, and um, the you two of them, they're, they're so tight and so close. You they're, got it. They're you fantastic. Got it. You got it. Well, happy... It's great to hear all the Cork accents. I'm up here in Dublin. I love Dublin. I have a great Dublin family, but it's fantastic to hear a few Cork accents all morning. Well, listen, stay listening. You'll hear Cork accents every day. Happy yeah. birthday to Mary Mac for Wednesday. Didn't get around to it then. Bit of Joe Dolan. Lovely chatting with you, Gary. Thanks for taking the call. For good-looking women everywhere, follow that. Have a good day, a great weekend. See you Monday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.